UK podcast, the podcast where six random guys from around the British Isles get together to talk about anything and everything Detroit Lions. My name is Anthony Fitzpatrick and I'm joined this evening by my co-hosts Ryan McCluskey and of course Hank, our beloved French Bulldog mascot here. Of course it is Wednesday. This is the College Football Podcast, the podcast where we go back to college to expand our knowledge of the game before the NFL. Ryan, how are we feeling? The pro days are all over. The off-season's now done. We're on the final progression towards the NFL draft. How how confident are you feeling in some of your analysis of the players, the mock drafts? Do you, you feel like you've got to hang on this yet, or are we just like still in no man's land completely? Oh, no. I don't expect to get anyone right. Like I say, I didn't do very well last year. Um, equal measure, excited for it, and also... I can't, I can't wait for it to be gone because like I say it's such a stress as well. Like I say, it's a barrage, left, right, and centre of things, making notes, questioning myself as well. I, I, I'm not sure any of these players will be available wherever I've picked them, but I've tried to be as realistic as possible. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm exactly the same. I'm trying to do my mock for today and I'm just like oh my god who the hell do I pick I should know by now you know we do a show every week telling people that you know these are the players you should have and even I don't know so hell you know this is going to be a lot of fun so for today's show um, we're going to finish off our review of the pro day scene like I said that is pretty much all done now LSU are having their pro day as we speak currently and then Drake London has a private workout scheduled I think for the 15th of April so that he can work out after his fractured ankle but apart from that it's all done so we're going to look at the last few places that the Lions have been have a look at some of the players how they've done at those pro days and then we're going to go on to our mock drafts me and Ryan have both done our seven round Detroit Lions mock drafts the first ones we've done since the end of the season obviously a lot's changed then since then it's going to be interesting to see how uh, we've differed in our views from them, whether we've stuck with the same guys or whether someone has uh, managed to force their way onto the board per se. But before we begin, just a shout out to everyone who is listening. So I know Twitch is quite busy already. Ashley is in there with us this evening. Good evening to you, sir. It's been a little while since we've had you in live. You're usually working, so we'll be nice to Florida State today, at least for the first five minutes anyhow just to give you a little bit of a thing there. We've got David Reinfeldt 69 in as well. He goes, hello, hello to you, sir. Good to see you again every week, as usual. Uh, our own Matt Maticus is in there, so Matt is listening. He says, let's go, let's go. If you want to join in, Matt, we're always here. You know we are, so uh, that's good fun. Um, so, yeah, thank you guys for joining us there. Thank you for the guys who are joining us on YouTube as well. Not seeing any chatter in there just yet, but, you know, we'll uh, get to you later as and when you arrive. So... Let me see. Let's get cracking. Oh, Super Saiyan Lions has just popped up. He says, what up, ROTL UK? What up, Super Saiyan? 
great to have you with us this evening. We are literally just getting underway. So as I say, we're going to dive down into the end of the pro day schedule. Just see some of the days the Lions were at and some of the players they may or may not have been looking at. The uh, top 30 visits are starting to come out now. So uh, a few interesting names on there that we'll have a look at as well. But we ended it last week on the 30th of March. Time is really going quickly here. There's a very busy day there. The few bits that we kind of mentioned before we went off the air... Colorado State had had their pro day. Obviously, that's the uh, home of tight end Trey McBride, who has been everybody's darling tight end in this postseason run here, mine included. Um, he sat on most of his combine results for the day, but he did run his 40-yard dash, and he ran it in a 4-5-6, which turned a lot of heads there. That was probably, to my knowledge, the second quickest 40 from a tight end this offseason, I think after Chagosium from... Uh, Maryland but I mean he's had a wonderful season and I, I fully expect to see him go fairly high in the second round now I don't know if you agree with that right but his offseason has been amazing yeah in such a in such a questionable group of tight ends he has managed to like stop treading water he's pulled himself up and he has become the consensus number one he is the complete all-round package and the 456 just put a nice bow on what was a good year and a really good draft off season. So he's heads above, heads and shoulders above the rest. Yep, absolutely. Um, maybe a bit too rich for the Lions in terms of where we're picking, but I mean, he's got to be one of those where you're not really going to find me complaining too much uh, if we do go for him. But again, maybe not just too early. Um, the other news that I think we may have mentioned very briefly last week, I know I tweeted it out on Twitter before the show went up. The Lions were one of, I think it was only eight teams who made the trip to see the Navy Midshipman Pro Day. That is the home of the uh, linebacker Diego Fago. Um, he's been a personal favourite of ours, had a really good senior bowl, cleaned out Bob Brock Purdy with a hell of a tackle, which... Uh, which both st which stood him in good stead with both of us because we're not the biggest Brock Purdy fans on here. But um, there's been no results released from that day in question, but I've seen some of the highlight tapes that uh, Navy put out there and uh, he looked like he was in decent shape there and um, definitely, definitely going to be on the table for day three, isn't he, I reckon? Yeah, he's a late day, late day two, early day three kind of guy. I set up his big special teams values and then... Uh, he'll be a good rotational player. Like I say, he could be a strong backup to average start of Sunday. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of potential to work with there, providing Navy are able to let him play. Um, so, cracking into the meat and bones of the 30th now, there were a lot of um, there were a lot of big pro days here, and one of a uh, one of the favourite areas for me in the off season in terms of teams has been Maryland. Didn't really think there was a lot coming from there to start off with the season, but two guys who've really stood out who are right up on my draft boards now in terms of certain positions where they could be drafted. So you've got the safety, Nick Cross. We've mentioned him quite a little bit now. Um, he sat on his 40 from the combine. believe he set the... In fact, it wasn't Chagosium. He's a tight end. Safety-wise, Nick Cross set the fastest time at the combine by a safety. I believe it was in the low 4-3s. He obviously was not going to try and improve on that. Um, but he did the bench, he did 21 reps, he did his three cone in 6.85 seconds, and he did his short shuttle in 4.21 seconds, which are all good results in their own right. Um, tight end Chigozia Maconquu, mentioned him a minute ago in the wrong context. Um, he sat on his combine 40, he was the quickest tight end at the combine 
Um, so yeah, that's, that's where I got mixed up. They both top of their respective fields. Um, so yeah, he sat on his time as well. Don't blame him. Did 13 reps, 7.19 second three cone, a 4.45 second shuttle, and he did a nine foot nine broad jump. And then the other guy from Maryland who may be or may not be anymore in draft consideration is the running back Teon Fleet Davis. Um, his 40 time was 4.73. Eek. That is not good for a running back. Um, did 15 reps on the bench, which is not bad, but then did a 7.143 cone, 4.38 short shuttle. That three cone time isn't exactly ideal either. Did a 35 inch vertical jump and a 9 foot 11 broad jump. Um, differing tails there. Crossing the Conquo, they've again really done themselves well in this off season and have capped it off with a, a great pro day as such and you know they're, they're probably going to go a lot higher in the draft than they were predicted at the end of the season but not a good day for the running back not good off season for running backs <coughs> i've been incredibly disappointed with most of the backs a lot of them have looked very sluggish so it doesn't surprise me to see another one put in a par 40. Uh, i like a conquo i just the only reservation for me is his size. He's like 6'2", 6'3", 236. He's not very big. So he is not... The arms aren't too long either, so there are limitations there. But he's incredibly athletic and he's very fast with the ball in his hands. And Nick Cross, he's very hard to place. Like I say, athletically, he's had a fantastic off-season, done really well. But where he falls into the safety class in the grand scheme of things, it's very hard to put him. Uh, he's going to probably be a day two guy, I imagine, at the latest. He'd like to think if he's going to slide to the end of day two. But he could be a good value pick in middle rounds. See, yeah, uh, I've seen him in a lot of mock drafts now in round three. And, you know, the value pick for us is we'd have to take him at 97, which is why there's a little bit of a, a little bit of a battle in my head as of whether I want to do it or not. I really like him as a player, but I really preferred him when he was in fifth-round conversations to develop him a little bit from there. But, I mean, you've got the athletic traits. He, he's pretty decent at what he does. Maybe he can be developed. Maybe he might be worth it. It's We'll see later when we do the mock drafts. Did he make it on? But it's certainly a battle to a really place where he's going to go. Um, just quickly diving into the Twitch chat, Ash goes, uh, I'll take a five-minute truce, but I know my mock is on the table to be mocked later. Ashley, 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 I'm very disappointed in you. Do you think that me and Ryan would deliberately mock you or your mock drafts just because we mock Florida State all the time? Well, no, probably, yeah. probably would, actually, wouldn't we? Yeah, yeah, it's going to get rinsed, so enjoy. Just, just, just enjoy it and have fun. So, got to go. Um, doo -doo -doo -doo, where are we yet? Yeah, and he's also put up emoji of me crying after I've been torn apart. Yeah, you might be a little bit, but we'll try and go gently with you, so we'll see. Anyhow, moving on. So the next uh, pro day that we were at, Alabama. Now, obviously, Alabama has a plethora of talent at their disposal. They do every year. Although I was really surprised. I didn't know this. 1948 was the last time they had a first overall pick in the draft. Did you know that, Ryan? Because that seems like one of those things that just isn't physically possible with the amount of talent that comes out of that school. Nope, I didn't know that. For all the uh, for all the quarterbacks that have produced that have been crappy in NFL, I'm, I'm amazed none of them none of them went first overall. I know, I did. I thought that, it was like a, a surprise. I thought it was like a typo or something, and I checked, and it's like no, there actually hasn't been. A guy from Alabama go number one overall since 1948. Now, Evan Neal can snap that, but I mean, 
Got to be a thing if Michigan can get one this year. They'll have had one closer than Alabama did. Um, just quickly going into YouTube. Depth They've fan. got a good chance next year. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Will Anderson's right at this moment in time. He's number one pick next year, without a shadow of a doubt. So if he carries on his year and Bryce Young and CJ Stroud are not crazy good next year, he's, he's definitely potentially a number one pick as well. Uh, just quickly dropping into the YouTube comments. Depp Fan Man is here. He goes, hey, gents, how's my guy Hank? You missed him at the top of the show, Depp Fan Man. He is around. He will come back at some stage. No doubt when he wants a bit of a fuss. So. He's asleep on the floor. Oh, he's asleep. He's, All asleep. Right. he's asleep on the floor. So, you know, may maybe our mock draft conversation will wake him up. I don't know. You know, we're just going to we're just going to have to see what I've gone. But, you know, maybe if you ask us nicely later towards the end, we'll uh, we'll see if we can get him on there for you. Oh, I've just uh, sort of come back to the screen and there's now three of us, not two of us here anymore. Matthew, welcome. How, how go Hello. things? Uh, yeah, not bad. I've managed to steal uh, 30, 40 minutes here and there. So I thought, like you said, free to come on. So I was like, yeah, let's do it. Let's go. Oh, absolutely. Well, well, well be nice to have you <laughs> on. Bit weird. I just, I've just sort of appeared there and I'm like, why is there only, why is there not two of us anymore? There's three. Don't get that. <laughs> and now I know Ash is why Matt has invaded the pod. I didn't know what he meant at the time. Like, is it like <laughs> physically invaded? Uh, no idea what's going on there. Uh, Made Derek laugh anyhow, so yeah, thank you to all who have joined us, thanks to all of you who have joined in the studio as well. Right, where were we? We were talking about Alabama's Pro Day, um, so obviously the wide receivers, neither of them did anything, John Mechie, Jamison Williams, they are both still rehabbing from torn ACLs, although Jamison Williams did put out some uh, Instagram posts where he... Um, he was looked like he was moving pretty decent at the time. He seems to be quite far along in his rehab. Apparently, he's meant to be fully running again by the time the draft comes around. So, they're hoping his injury's not going to really delay him too much in terms of when he gets drafted and getting into the league next year. He might be doing all right. So, that's good news as far as Jameson Williams goes. In terms of all the other guys there, obviously, Evan Neal, potential number one pick this year. He did not do any athletic testing for this one. I know people wanted him to do a 40 he declined. He's not really got anything to prove there. I mean, you've seen how lean he is for like a 340 pound man. It's crazy how thin he looks carrying all that weight. He he doesn't need to do any athletic testing. He did the positional drills. He looked really smooth and really good doing those drills. I mean, you could hear him thumping the bags and everything. Guy's going to be such a hard hitter at the next level. I mean, whoever gets him as a tackle has got a great, great future at left tackle with him there. He's, he's going to go really high. Um, Fildarian Mattis, the defensive tackle, he just did drills as well. He didn't do anything in terms of athletic testing, but again, he did He did pretty decent at the combine, so he didn't really need to sit on that. A couple of the guys who you don't really hear about from Alabama who I highlighted for this one who had good days. So you had the wide receiver, Slade Bolden. Um, not a name in much circles in terms of the Alabama team this year. He's he's a day three pick, maybe undrafted free agent territory, but he really impressed. I saw a lot of clips of him making some really good catches. Was buzzing around the field at a hell of a speed as well. So he really stood out. The scouts were apparently talking a lot about him when that day was done. And then the other one who I think we might have been sneakily there to have a look at because the Lions have been looking at a lot of defensive tackles who are probably going to be undrafted free agents, late round guys. Um, LeBrian Ray is a defensive tackle from Alabama. So when he was recruited in 2017, he was a five-star recruit, one of the best players in the entire 
Um, I don't know why, why I'm saying nation, it's state. One of the best players in state, he got there. He's had a really cursed injury time there with Alabama, although he's played the second most amount of games in his five-year career there this year. He played 11 games, he was injured for the first few. Um, he performed really well. He ran a 480 in the 40, which for a defensive tackle is incredibly fast. A 6'5", 295 pounds, was moving around really well, looked pretty good, so maybe we had our eyes on him. In terms of the other guys, Josh Job, Christian Harris, um, Christopher Allen, none of them did athletic training either. It was all just really drills. Um, I mean, Rye, what did you take away from Alabama's pre day? Did you get to see much of it? Was anyone who really stood out for you there? Yeah, I, I saw it. I saw the clips. Uh, no one stood out because a lot of them now, they're just sitting on their combine times. Like, say, not many are really testing because they don't want to. They don't want to bring up an injury or anything. Like, even Neil's funny because it's kind of been like out of sight, out of mind. I haven't heard anyone talking about him for weeks. We just assume he's still the number one consensus tackle. I I don't know where he's going to go. I said, if you don't go one, you don't go two. Where does he go? Does he go three? Does he fall to four or five? Do, do that many teams in defensive tackle? And I'm, I'm not sure if the, if the Jags pass on him. But Slade Bolden, eh. Okay, collegiate. I don't expect him to do anything at the next level. Like I say, he's he seems like a nice guy, and he was a good uh, he was a good presence, and he played a lot of games for Bama. But I don't think he'll be an impact maker. So I imagine he'd probably go undrafted there. Uh, defensive tackle in the later rounds, if he's an interior defensive lineman, I do have interest in one of those that can stop the run. Let's say now having a farm in front, I do want someone that can come in and I know can stop the run. So for me, that someone like LeBron is someone of interest to me. Uh, the receivers, I don't want to touch anyone with an existing injury. So I'm sorry, Jameson. I'm sorry, John Metche. Uh, I know you're going to be really good. But for me, it's a nada. I'm just going to pass on them all together right now. But no, it was a solid workout, solid drills, physical. Like I said, I didn't expect anyone to light up any numbers or try and improve on anything. Yeah, I know what you mean, though. I mean... Neil just looks crazy, though. You know, you don't think he's 340. You think he's like 260, 270, something like that, don't you? The way he moves is crazy. But I th it's weird. I can see every team in the top five needs a tackle but us. I think the Texans need one to go opposite Tunsil. You know, the Jets aren't sold on Beckton. The uh, Giants aren't sold on Thomas. And they need another tackle anyhow. They had, was it Nate Solder last year? It was one of the worst tackles in the entire league. They've, they've needed a tackle for ages. I can still see him going. I can see them been a run pretty early. Could maybe invoke some trade action. That's what I hope for a long time. Maybe Jacksonville do it. Everyone panics. Everyone wants to tackle. Maybe maybe we're open for business. Um, Matt, in terms of the Alabama prospects, are there any, I mean, I don't know if you got to see much of the pro days there with them. Is there anyone who stands out? Anyone who you maybe want there? You know, cause, like I said, there's, there's a lot of prospects in day one and there's a lot of late round prospects as well. You've sort of got a little bit of everything with them this year. Yeah, a bit of flavour everywhere. Um, it's a shame that Metchie and Williams couldn't try out because I'm I'm different to Ryan and I'm kind of okay taking guys that are injured as long as the injury is reflected in their draft position. So I kind of feel like Jameson Williams would kind of be an easy shout at wide receiver one in this draft if he was healthy. You know, he's probably the fastest elite receiver out there. So if you can pick him up at 32... Like, I think that's an absolute steal and I'm willing to take that risk, especially since, like, as we're not a competing team, it's not like we can't afford to miss. It's like 
we can't get much worse. So sometimes it's worth taking a flyer. But I don't think he's going to fall that far. I just think he's too good. My main fear with him is that he falls to Green Bay and is just a complete success. Um, Evan Neal, I think the popular theory is that he falls to four at the moment. So, like, it looks like Icky has jumped him. And he's, like, odds-on favorite to go three to, to the Texans now. And that means that the Giants are free to pick him up a four. And they are really tackle-needy. And I see no reason why he falls past the Giants. The Giants need a tackle. And if it's if both of them are on the board, I think it's a really interesting question as to who they want to take. But with Icky gone at three, it's a no-brainer for them to take me at four. But LeBron Ray is definitely the one that interests me. He's always kind of available at the top of the seventh round whenever you do mock drafts. And you see Alabama defensive linemen. You think, well, there's got to be some pedigree there. And I just went on to the relative athletic score because it hasn't been updated yet um, from the pro day seven days ago. And I've just plugged in his his new height, which was slightly higher than previously recorded, and the new 40 time. And he's bumped up from like a six and a half rounds to an 8.14. And that 40-yard dash time puts him at 9.49 on that scale. Like he's one of the most, he's one of the fastest D-tackles out there. So, you know, that could be, you talk about injured guys and not wanting to take him, but in the seventh, Sure, why not? I mean, we do have a defensive tackle need, and defensive tackle is one of those positions you can get late and get value. So I like the idea of taking it. Yeah, like to be, and and like I say, I just think the trend from the Lions through this entire pro day process—they have been looking late at defensive line. I will bet the bottom dollar now that there's a defensive tackle in the on day three, or there's some a lot of them that I know in free agency now just because it's the way they go in there. So, But yeah, he is interesting. Like I say, he was one of the best recruits in the entire state when they got him, and it's just injury that has kept him away. He played 13 games in his second year. He's played 11 this year, which, as I say, is the second most. So you hope if that is out the equation, then, you know, you could get a steal with him day three. So that is a name certainly to watch out for. Um, Defan Man in the chat goes, well, 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 the best OT fell to seven last year, so who knows. But, I mean, yeah, he did. But also there were four quarterbacks in that draft, so that maybe if it was a quarterbackless draft like this year, Penne probably would have been pick number one, I guess. I don't know. I, yeah. I can see him being pick number one. I think it was the quarterbacks that really pushed him down there, so, you know. It's... Uh, that specific question was asked on PFS Tailgate podcast last week, and they were unanimous, both of them, in saying that Saul would be the number one overall pick in this draft if he was in it, for sure. I think It'd be positional value as well, wouldn't it? You know, Chase. he's got the tight yeah. end in front of him. He's I think Chase has got two as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, I think so. I think it'd be positional value that decide that you wouldn't take a receiver first. You'd take a tackle first, then you'd take the receiver afterwards. But yeah, he'd absolutely be the number one pick this year. Uh, Super Sign says, do you guys see any possibility that the Lions trade back with Washington? Feel like we can get the most back from them. I mean, he. It depends what Washington want, really, isn't it? I mean, you look at their draft needs. Do they want to go quarterback? I mean, if it is a quarterback, then possibly. They need offensive line help. Obviously, they let Brandon Scherf leave. So they've got a hole at guard now. Maybe something they'll sort with a tackle who they can move in there to start with. I don't know. What do you think, Ryan? Washington, do you see any business been done there? Or or is do you feel like... I don't know. It's hard to say. Like, see, you don't know what the need is. I saw someone today say Terry McLaurin could be available, so maybe they're opening up a hole. Like, but if he is available, 
that that brings into question a lot what is their draft strategy? Do they want to look past him or does he want out? So I don't really know what direction they're going. We know they need, well, they've got a bridge guy now, even if he's yeah. a bit cruddy. Yeah. But yeah, they've got a lot of holes there as well. I think a trade to two insinuates that, and if it's a quarterback, that's like, well, he's our guy. You don't trade up for a quarterback unless you plan to start him, unless you're Green Bay and you want people to laugh at you, which is hilarious. I don't know, Matt, what do you reckon? Washington, any business going there? Yeah, I could see it. I mean, I think they've taken a step back at quarterback, taking Wentz, to be quite honest. They started last year with Fitzpatrick, I think, as a starter. I mean, he only lasted one game, I think, before he went off with injury. But if you offered me Wentz or Fitzpatrick, both healthy, I'm taking Fitz. So... I really feel like they've taken, if anything, if I'm wrong, I don't think it's anything more than a very, very small step forward and mostly a step sideways. So I just hate the move, especially giving up capital to do so. Especially when now you could probably get Baker Mayfield and and picks to take on that contract. So I think they just feel like fools right now. Um, but having a look at their needs, it's... It's difficult. So, according to PFF, their needs are quarterback, guard, centre, linebacker. So, unless they're going quarterback, I don't see why they're trading up. So, if they want Willis, if they want Pickett, fine. In terms of capital, they've got like a normal amount of capital remaining apart from what they gave up for Wentz. So, sure. If we can get next year's first from Washington, that could well be a top five pick. Well, I mean, Fantastic. Yeah. I mean, Super Saiyan goes, I do see an offensive tackle for them. Well, if they do want one, they're going to have to move up. Cross yeah. is going to be gone by then. Penning may even be gone by then. They want a centre. Linderbaum's probably going to be gone by then. Or at least I have him mocked that way anyhow. So if, you, if you're going to play the offensive line card with them, then I could see it, but I don't think it would be for a quarterback. Right, now Ash is posting cryptic things here. Um, he goes, Athletic DT from Bama who didn't really perform in college. Sound familiar? Am I missing something here? I'm trying to... Is there anyone else who fits that bill? Obviously, we were talking about Larea a minute ago, but I, I don't know who he's referring to. I'm trying to think. Is, is Nick Williams from Alabama? No. I guess it's someone we've had and been crap. Yeah. Well, uh, on the defensive line, that's, that's, that's a, a long list of people since Sue and Foley I mean, left. It, is that not? Um, oh, he's playing with us here. Well, we think Austin, about it. Is that not Austin Bryant? Oh, he's yeah, it is isn't I it? Is he? Oh no, he's yeah. Clemson. He's Clemson. Sorry, he's Clemson. Beg your pardon. Right. Well, while you're thinking about that, um, oh, we've had a lot of people join us in Twitch. So Big Aries is in. He goes, my fear as well. The Packers getting good players. Well, hopefully they stay away from the receivers just to really annoy Aaron. That would be. Absolutely fun. Uh, David Reinford goes, I ran a mock draft simulation in Green Bay, selected Sam Howell and a defensive tackle in the first round. That would be glorious. Oh, there would be party in the streets of Detroit. There would be a party (laughs) over here. I would absolutely love you that. Oh, he says, let me give you a hand. He's on about Deshaun, isn't he? Oh, no, that's just right. Put me off him now. I love And Yep, Ken's in the chat. He says Deshaun hand. You're right. He's on about Deshaun hand. Ash, you've just really put me off him now. I love Deshaun Hand, but that injury history is yeah. just... Oh, that, that's put me off him. Thanks, Ash. Appreciate it. Uh, 
Defamango goes, seems like the Saints is the trade rumour of the day. 16, 19, 32, 34, 49, 66, 97. Maybe another mid-pick next year would be wild. Seven picks in the top 100. See, the issue I have with this, they've given up two picks next year already, the first and the sixth. They're going to have to give us the two firsts this year. They're going to have to give us a second. They're going to have to give us something else later. And they're going to have to give us a mid-round pick next year for the value chart to be there. So you're kind of reducing yourself to four picks next year. And I think it's three this year. You're kind of selling the house for two drafts. And I don't know who is worth them jumping to two to get. That's the way I look at that one. I'm not sure. I don't know if there's any pushback there, but I feel like they're not going to give up that much, given that they're already giving away stuff next year. I'd take sixteen, nineteen, and a middle rounder. I'm not going to ask. The, I'm not going to ask the world if they're stupid enough to come up to two. If they don't want to sit and wait for Kenny Pickett, who I think could fall to them anywhere, that's fine. I'll take those two first rounders off them gladly. Like I say, I agree. There's to come all that way. I don't think there's anyone worth it. Yeah. At the end of the day, so I do not see them moving from where they are, and I feel really strongly about this now. I've listened to a load of podcasts in the last couple of days specifically on this. A couple of people saying they want to trade up to two or or somewhere in the top five, and that's what they did it for. But then a load of people just saying there's loads of good talent beyond the top five this year, and they probably just wanted to get another pick to get a really good player. And I really like that idea. And if they offered me... 16 and 19 for two, I'd be really close to accepting it. I'm not, I'm not 100%. But when you run the Sims, so I, I've done a full first round mock draft in preparation for our, our show next week. And if you have a look at who's available at that sort of range, so I had Jameson Williams going 15 to Philly. The Saints take Trevor Penning. You've got Jordan Davis, Andrew Booth, Chris Olave, Devin Lloyd, George Carl Aftis, Traylon Burks, Quay Walker, Devon. Monte Wyatt, like there's so the Kobe Dean, there's so many players that I want in the middle of that first round that I think straight up I would accept 16 and 19 just just to make it happen because at two, okay, we get Kayvon Thibodeau or we get Kyle Hamilton, but we could get we could get um, Lloyd and we could get Carl Aftis. That's better. That's just 100% better than getting Hamilton on his own or Kayvon on his own. So just do it. Don't worry about what the trade value chart says because if they can get a cheaper deal for three, they'll take it. So be the guy that trades down and if you have to go to the cheaper board, fine. Yeah, no, I can see the logic there. I, I, I do agree with that to agree, yeah. Maybe. Um, Super Saiyan Lions goes, Lions could draft Carl Aftis and Lloyd with those picks and Lions just fix the front seven. Yeah, he is a good one. <laughs> there we fair, go. To be fair, yeah, I, I would like something similar to that, but I'd also like the trade value as well. I just It's just me. Maybe me being greedy. Um, Debt Fan Man says 16, 19, 49. Maybe throw in a fourth rounder there as well to make up that 70 spot gap we've got. You can always find someone good in the fourth. Okay, maybe. Let's see if the Saints will do it. Who knows? Right, anyhow, let's dive back into the Pro Day stuff. So we've got a little sidetrack there. So, um, yeah, that was everything in terms of Alabama. Now, the very interesting one. So we go into the Baylor Bears next. And obviously, we've talked about the Baylor Bears a lot on this podcast, me and Ryan. We really like them from last year. Some very intriguing prospects there. But the Lions are taking a very long, hard look at one of the guys who we weren't so sure about 
on this team and to be honest I didn't really know a great deal we're of course talking about the wide receiver Tyquan Thornton you might know him because he set the fastest time for a wide receiver at the combine recently until he was upstaged I think it was the fastest time altogether until he was upstaged by one of his teammates but the Lions sent wide receiving coach Antoine Randall L to the Baylor day to put him through his paces so his season he had 62 receptions, 948 yards, average of 15.3 yards per throw, so pretty decent in the deep threat territory. 10 touchdowns, also got a passing touchdown, and I do remember that. It's probably the one thing I remember him for last year, that passing touchdown. Um, on his pro day, his three cone was a 725, not the quickest, a 439 short shuttle, 38 and a half inch vertical jump, and a 10 foot 11 broad jump, which are both fair in their own rights. I mean, what do you see with this? Obviously, they've sent Randall L out there to scout him, so there's, there's interest there. I've seen that there's been lengthy discussions with him as well. They talked to him after the pro day, so there's something there. What do you reckon about that one, Rye? Because we, he wasn't the guy from Baylor we thought that we'd be talking about and that we'd be interested in. I'm not buying it. I, the 40 is going to be misleading. And an above average season. Like I say, for me, there's, there's there's a lot to like and a lot of upside, but for me, he is going to be a later project. I really don't want to reach for the guy because I am not super sold on him as a long term Y receiver or X. Like I say, so I'm fine taking him day two onwards, like I say, late day two, but I don't want to get suckered in by that super athletic because we've seen a lot of teams stung by that before. I'm pretty sure the numbers before this year were slightly better than average as well, but he's never been an incredible standout, but he is a good athlete. So I'd probably wouldn't want to take him before round four, to be honest. I think but if we have sent N one Randall, so I feel we probably considering it maybe. I think the last time I checked, he's a day three pick. I, th I think that was the consensus. I've not seen him any higher than there, not even close, but I just think it's interesting. Obviously, I could live with that. Yeah, he's, he's gone out there, so he's obviously under consideration. Randall L hasn't gone to everybody's pro days, so, I mean, it's interesting that he's gone. So he's certainly a name to keep an eye out on. If anyone watching has not heard of him before or not seen much, Matt Waldman did a tape breakdown on him. I put it in our Discord today. Just go on YouTube, have a little look. He'll show you a little bit of the good, a little bit of the bad. There are some traits there to work with, and it's promising, but... There is a lot of work to be done, so he's not going to be an instant impact player to start with. Just to round out the Baylor ones, and we'll talk about it in a bit more. So, obviously, I told you he got outstaged at the pro day in his 40. Um, and that was his uh, his teammate, the cornerback, Kalen Barnes. He is now the new fastest man at the combine ever when it comes to the 40. He ran it in 4.22 seconds. Obviously he wasn't going to try and beat that at his own pro day. He sat on that. He did the other drills though. His three cone he did in 7.44 seconds. The short shuttle was 4.58. The vertical jump was 40 inches and an 11 foot one broad jump. Both of those in fairness are quite impressive and then you've got the safety pairing so obviously Jalen Petra had a lot of love recently he ran a 4.46 in his 40 had a 4.15 short shuttle had a 9.11 broad jump and then his, part in, his partner in crime JT Woods 14 bench reps 6.94 3 cone and a 4.19 short shuttle now 
Um, obviously, Matt, I know you. You're a guy of positional value. Maybe the safety isn't going to be number two pick in the draft, but Baylor have two very good safety options there. What have you made of their pro days? And you know, has any of them won you over maybe to drafting them later on? I mean, I, I think that they've both performed admirably, haven't they, really? I know that Peter is a guy that's kind of mocked at the bottom of the first, top of the second. Um, kind of like Dax Hill, isn't he, in terms of position? They're both kind of projected as a sort of slot corner or strong safety, like kind of around that box sort of area and affecting things at the line. And so you do need to be shifty i think that short shuttle time is going to be really important both under 4.2 is really really good i know there's a lot of love feature every time we get in on the chat so i know that the, the the lions fans are going to be really really happy if they take him i've not seen enough of either of them on the field to to talk about them particularly apart from the stats that you've got there on thornton he's 215 i think on the draft networks board so he's like a late late round six pick at the moment so I can live with that. But, I mean, I'm going to feel like this way with every pick. It's Anthony Schwartz last year. He can run fast. Can he do anything else? And the can he do anything else, I guess, is why Randall is there. Just to talk to him and find out whether there's anything upstairs. Because if he can understand the concepts, maybe you can actually turn him into a football player. So, I'm, I'm hopeful that Thornton can be a part of this team. He provides something that we don't currently have. Schwartz got vastly overdrafted last year. I remember me and Ryan. Saying, oh yeah. I think I think me and Ryan clashed him as was he our top overdrafted pick last year, Ryan? I, th I think we kind of he's he's there, isn't he? He I, I think he went in the eighties. Uh, yeah. He went in the eighties and nineties. We got him like one sixty, one seventy. We got his running mate at Oban before him. I can't even remember the other one's name now. Um, there was Anthony Schwartz and there was. Another Anthony, weren't they? I, I can't remember. But yeah, he got massively overdrafted and did nothing. So you've got to be careful with these guys. You can't go too high. And what do you make of the safeties? Obviously, we, we like the Baylor Bears. We like the safety rooms. Did you see anything from the pro days that changed any opinions? Uh, JT Woods. I'm not interested in JT Woods. The play was okay throughout the season. I feel like he benefited it from having a good partner. Jalen Petra. I am interested in. I don't think he's worth late first, early second. I think that'd be a bit rich. I think he's the kind of guy that will be muddled up in that that late group. If he's at sixty six, like which I think he could be, I think I will definitely run and take him because he is a good, strong, strong safety. Like I say, plays well in the box, got a few interceptions as well, so he's got upside of athleticism and he's got production. Like I say, which JT can't really say he doesn't have as much production. And they saw a lot of the playing time together. So he's definitely like that safety three or four, I'd say, is somewhere around that group. Yeah, yeah, I definitely agree with you. Uh, definitely agree with you there. Um, just quickly going into the chat before we go on. Uh, Ken says, don't forget to smash the like button. Thank you, Ken. Really appreciate that one there. Um, Craig Ferguson's in the chat. He says, what up, fellas? What up to you, sir? Thank you for joining us, as always, Ken says. I don't see him around our picks. I think he's talking about Taekwon. Yeah, he's, he's not one who's really been on anybody's radar there. But again, you can have a little look at him. Um, let's say Matt Waldman's got something on him on YouTube. So have a little look. It's quite interesting. He's very good with his details there. And if you want to see anything of Petra, if like Matt, if you're not seeing too much there, go and watch his uh, senior ball drills with Trey McBride. They were something to watch. Those two really battled the hell out of one another and it was really fun to watch. 
gives you a little bit of insight into both players there. So yeah, that is in terms of everything. The Baylor Pro Day was still on, the, still on last Wednesday. There were a lot there. So Miami, a couple of outside ones here. Bubba Bolden, the safety, 15 bench reps, 7-12, three cone and a 9-10 broad jump. Charleston Rambo, the best name receiver in the entirety of college football last year. Um, he ran a 4.53 in the 40, 7 seconds exactly in the 3 cone, 33.5 inch vertical jump and 9.10 broad jump. Now I know Bubba Bolden was on our list of safeties to watch this year, but I think me and you, Ry, we're both of the opinion now is meh. I, I, I don't think we're really there with him and Miami are not really. Miami don't really have anything of interest I think this year. No, Bolden, Bolden is crap and he gets penalised too much. He is a liability, unfortunately. And he picks up injuries. So, unfortunately, from what I've seen, especially this year, he can't be trusted. So, I ain't touching him. And Charleston Rambo has a great name, good upside, but I'm not sold on him. I feel like he's a bit of a novelty that people like to mock, but the production's been there. But when he came out as such a big recruit, he has not lived up to the potential whatsoever. That's not his fault necessarily because Miami suck as well, like say. So if he'd played on a better team, better quarterbacks, he probably would have produced a lot more. Yeah, absolutely. He's he's really just missed out there because obviously they've got is it Tyler Van Dyke now there, is it? Tyler Van I've got the name. Tyler yeah. Van Dyke's there now. Who's going to be freshman, yeah. next? Yeah, he's going to be the next big thing in the SEC down there. So yeah, it's a shame that he's missed out on the on getting to have throws from him. He had De'Eric King instead, who's just been so hit and miss. He was working out at both receiver and quarterback, and I didn't see anything there. I was I was not impressed, and I I think he's going to struggle to get an undrafted free agency role there, personally. But yeah, he's not getting drafted, I think. No, absolutely not. Um, anything to add on the Miami ones, Matt? I don't know if anyone... No, yeah. No. <laughs> yeah, don't blame you in the slightest. We'll move it on, and we'll move it to somewhere that does have a lot of interesting prospects, and ones that we've been in touch with a bit this year in terms of the Lions. So Tennessee... Um, bit of an up and down season for them on the whole but they do have some interesting draft prospects so obviously you got the wide receiver Velas Jones Jr. We had him at the Senior Bowl, the specialist returner, 2,400 returning yards in total in college, quite a few touchdowns to go with that and a pretty decent receiver to boot as well. I know the Lions really enjoyed what he did at the Senior Bowl so he did 18 bench reps his three cone was 7.32, which is a little slow, but, you know, nothing to hold against. A 4.51 short shuttle, a 32 vertical jump, 32 inch vertical jump, and a 10 foot broad jump, exactly. Um, the offensive lineman, Cade Mays, I believe he's a guard. He did 21 bench reps and a 4.63 short shuttle. He sat on a lot of the stuff he did at the combine. Defensive lineman, Matthew Butler, ran a straight five in the 40. 791 for a three cone, 490 for a short shuttle, a 34 inch vertical and a nine foot five broad jump. Not bad for a defensive lineman. And then the star of the show at Tennessee, the cornerback Alante Taylor. He did 14 bench reps, a 708 three cone, a 425 in the short shuttle, 29 inch vertical jump and an 11 foot one broad jump. Just to think, jumping 11 feet from a standing base. Can't even begin to imagine that one there. A, a nice little plethora of talent there at Tennessee. Ryan, who, who stood out, if anyone, for you at that one? For me, the most interest is Cade Mays because he's going to be a late rounder. And I would like a project guard, someone that can take up the mantle when the tie does move on. Bellish Jones is fun. He's great, but 
he's not what I'm looking for. Like I said, I think he'll be really good for a really good team, but for what the Lions can offer him when we've got a lot of slot dudes, I'm not drafting a guy that could go in the middle rounds just to be a returner. I just You just don't get the value there. You can find an undrafted kick returner, punt returner. So I think I do really well there. Corners. Right, uh, well, spoiler, I haven't taken a corner in my mock because I want to see what we've got first, so I'm not interested in a corner. Unless they're going to go to the late rounds. I'm I'm not happy with who we've got, but I don't know what we need just yet. We've got guys here in the building that can potentially be what we need, so I'm not spending good capital on corner this year. Unless he slides, it's no from me. Fair, fair. Matt? I mean, Alonte Taylor at the moment is wanted to go at the bottom of the third. I mean, that's really high. I know he's had a great workout, but that seems really high. And I'm, I'm in alignment with Ryan on, on Bellis Jones. The guy is going to take snaps off guys we're already invested in and for good reason. And, you know, I don't want that. And, you know, what he would be an upgrade of return, but... Are you really going to take that in the third round or the fourth round? I don't. I don't think so. So I think we're better served elsewhere. But guard late, you know, with our two six and two seventh round picks, they need to be in play. We need more depth there. So guard or tackle, I'm happy for either. We're we're set at centre. We've already got two backups, but guards and tackles, left or right side, one of each would be great. And Mays has, has put himself in the window. Yeah, yeah. Don't think I can really add much, much there. Let's take an intriguing group of guys. Maybe some we don't need, some possibly we do. So yeah, keep an eye out for them days two and day three. Uh, Craig Ferguson agrees with you both. He goes agreed. No on the corner, which is fair enough. Super Cyan Line says to the, uh, to the panel, what do you guys think of Kevin Austin Jr., the wide receiver from Notre Dame? Tall, fast, great hands, also. I think we got asked this one the other day. I feel like we got this asked this one last week as well. But, I mean, to be fair, I, I can't really add much there because I've not seen... There's only one prospect I've been looking at from Notre Dame this year, and it's not been a receiver. I don't, I don't know about you, right? whether you can add a little bit more to that one. No, I think someone asked, and I think my reply was, sorry, I don't know who that is. So I still don't know who that is. <laughs> that is not someone that has locked us in. Sorry about that, Super Saiyan. I promise you, I'll have a look at him this week and come on next week's show and I'll give you an answer for that one. There's, there's that many college prospects around that some slip through. Unless Matt can add anything extra in. Well, I mean, it's more just that I can fill in a little bit of stats for you. He's only a one-year guy. He's been at Notre Dame three years, but he's only been a star for one year. 48 receptions, 888 yards, seven touchdowns, 18 and a half yards a catch. And he's also done a bit of rushing uh, well, I should say one attempt, sorry, eight yards, never mind about that. Um, special teamer, two, I think, but his RAS score was 9.94, so 1.48, 10-yard split. Um, great agility, elite speed, elite explosion, good size. So he's offering you a bit more athletically than, than someone like Vallis Jones is, but he's actually mocked a full like two or three rounds lower. I think he's wanted to go in like the sixth round. But in a Notre Dame offense that kind of struggled last year, he put up stats and so he's got a bit of production. He's got the athleticism. I'd I'd take a flyer on him maybe later on, but I need to watch a bit more tape. But that alone is pretty encouraging compared to someone like 
and Thanos Jones. Yeah, I'd, 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 I'd caveat it by saying I'd give any wide receiver from Notre Dame a pass this year, given the quarterback situation that they had. They were they were switching between three guys, and me and Ryan made no bones about the fact that their offense was not the greatest this year. So if he's put up stats, having three guys rotating in and out all the time before Cohn got the job slightly later on, then yeah. But I'd say, well, we will have a look, and we will get back to you with an answer on that one as we go. Super Saiyan says he had a great combine as well. I think Matt's just filled that in there. He's done pretty well. So as long as you've got the athletic traits and you've got the teachable abilities, then yeah, you could uh, you always be on the draft board. Um, just finishing off the 30th from last week then, one of Ryan's favourite teams from last year, Wake Forest. We did go down there and uh, take a look at the prospects on offer. Unfortunately, there's not a great deal coming out this year, not with Sam Hartman going back into college for another year. Their one guy who is graded as draftable is the offensive tackle, Zach Tom. Um, he sat on pretty much all his combine scores. The only thing he redid was his bench reps. He went up from 20 to 25, and apparently he's added about 15 pounds, really, to his frame as well. He's been bulking up, and apparently the scouts on show quite liked that he was... Uh, that he was doing that. Um, I mean, you watched Wake Forest a lot more than me, right? Last year, is, it, is there much to say about him? Is he is he worth one of those maybe late round flyers on a bit of offensive line depth? Are you, are you intrigued? Uh, no, not the the line wasn't great this year. Sam Hartman was making up for a lot of their flaws there. I think I saw a video on Twitter today of Jaquari Robinson, the wide receiver. He was running a forty time that. He didn't do it the Wake Forest Pro Day. I don't know where he was. I think he ran a blazing 40. He's the, uh, he's the wide receiver that's entering the draft. Yeah, I think... So he, he is someone that could look at. But no, it's not got a big class for them. There's actually not many people even declared. The one player I want from them decided to return to college, JT Perry. Yeah, the receiver's gone back, the quarterback's gone back. I mean, the kicker isn't the kicker declaring... Kicker. Yeah, Nick Skiba's there, draft Nick eligible, Nick yeah. He there. could get drafted as well. Yeah, Nick Skiba's there as well, I guess. I didn't really see any stats as far as he goes, but um, yeah, we were there. We've had a look, so I don't know if we're going to look at a kicker or not, but I guess they're looking a, they're looking a lot of the line. They they always, always do there. The other one we went to on that day was uh, Northern Illinois, the home of... Uh, Ryan Dengel's favourite team from Bear Down Report. He's a Northern Illinois fan. They had a really good year, but in terms of draftable prospects, it's kind of just undrafted free agent stuff really this year. Nothing really to write home about. Um, just quickly in the chat, Ken says Austin is 5'7". Super Saiyan says Austin is 6'3". I think Ken's thinking of Calvin Austin, not um, Kevin Austin. Two receivers who are Austins in the draft this year. That's probably where the thing... Calvin Austin's the one from Memphis, the really small but incredibly bloody quick one. He's he's, he's so quick, it's unreal. Um, I, he might be on a draft board somewhere for the Lions. I wouldn't be surprised in the slightest. Just wanted to, just wanted to follow up on Zach Tom, because I just wanted to kind of talk about him a little bit. Go for it. Bot bottom of the third round guy is where he's wanted to go. Most places have him as a tackle, but he's 6'4", 300 pounds. So... He's small and he's light for a tackle. But if you project him inside as a guard, he had one of the best combines of any uh, offensive lineman in in this year's class. 9.97 Raspberry. So 
he is supremely athletic. Ran a 4.9440. One six three ten yard split is nine point nine seven for all interior offensive linemen. Elite explosion, elite agility, elite speed, just a little bit small and light. If you can add a little bit more weight, me and Ryan were talking about trying to take an interior guy. Now, maybe late thirds, comp pick at 97 could be in play for him if he falls just a little bit from where he's meant to be. Yeah, yeah. As a prospect, I mean, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, I'm the same. For offensive guard depth, it's it's end of day two. You know, day three, if you're looking for your O-line depth, because we've got a good starting bunch. You've got time to develop the guys in behind them. So anyone who fits that category, I'd, I'd absolutely yeah, get behind. Again, if they've got the intangibles and they've got what you need, then go for it. So, yeah. Um, <laughs> right, that is everything in terms of the 30th that the Lions did. Moving on to the 31st, which was last Thursday, four big pro days on that day. So Appalachian State was the first one, and uh, again... Another interesting one here, talk about all these defensive tackles, these D-linemen, the undrafted day three guys that the Lions are meeting well. There's no different here. So the Lions met with defensive tackle Demetrius Taylor at the end of his pro day. He plays for Appalachian State. He is currently ranked in the UDFA territory, not far out of draftable range, though. Um, his pro day, he ran a 502. In the 40, not bad for a defensive tackle. 27 bench reps, an 803 in the three cone, a 450 in a short shuttle, a 30 inch vertical jump, and an 8 foot 1 broad jump. Usually, broad jumps are a lot smaller for these DTs, they are a lot bigger. And then the only other draftable guy who's coming out of Appalachian State this year is the linebacker, DeMarco Jackson. We had him on our senior bowl team but there's a, there's a lot of development work that needs doing with him he's probably going to be a later pick again he did 19 bench reps 719 three cone 429 short shuttle and a 32 inch vertical so not expecting anyone to know a great deal here about Demetrius Taylor but I mean what do you make of this the Lions are very actively going after a lot of D linemen who are day three or maybe undrafted free agency they seem to be doing more research into this field than anywhere else on the team. It's, it's intriguing. Yeah, I, I think it, I can see why. I A lot of people, I'm opposed to it high, but later on, I'm definitely in the market for someone that's definitely good against the run. The workout for me wasn't very good. None of those numbers were very, were good. They were, they were above average, let's say, a bit slow. The broad jump only eight feet. Even for defensive linemen, that's, that's not very good. Like I said, I, I don't think it was it was okay. If he stays undrafted, that's fine by me. Like I say, but based off what I saw, what I've seen, I wouldn't be throwing a flyer at him. Like I say, but I am I have got a defensive lineman later on. So I am certainly in the market for one. Especially now I've gone to a far front. I think it's one of the surest picks you can make in the draft at the minute is a D lineman late on because of the amount of guys who were there. I don't know, what do you make of this strategy, Matt? Would you would you agree that's the sort of place to to be looking for a D lineman this year? Are you, I mean, it's good that they're looking through all this talent. You know, they're looking out even outside the draft. They've been very thorough, if anything else, but it's a very specific area they're looking at. It's not happening with all the other positions. I think when you listen to all of the UDFA prospects that kind of we signed last year, quite a, not all of them, but quite a few of them mentioned that the Lions had been in touch before the draft and let them know that they were interested. And that, you know, when the draft came around, they went undrafted and then the Lions called. They remembered 
that they were interested in the first place kept in touch and, and were, you know, wanted to be a part of the team. So I feel like they feel like every bit of effort they can put in right now might give them the step up for priority UDFAs. So this is just good practice for me. Demetrius Taylor, those those athletic testing numbers are not good. Like eight foot one broad at any position is is really poor. Okay, thirty foot thirty foot uh, sorry, thirty inch um, vert is fine. And four, five short shuttle is really impressive, actually. But eight seconds in the three cone, oh, that's rough. Um, if you're a UDFA and you know you can be taught a bit of technique and you know you can fill a practice squad place, that's fine. But we do have lots of practice squad DTs. You know, you've got Bruce Hector, who's a mainstay in that position nowadays. So, you know, do we need one? We're going to get one. I know we will. We always will. But we have a lot of guys who already fill that. Yeah, yeah, I fully agree there. I mean, although, you know, Depth Man says it's very difficult to have too many D-linemen. That is true. The more depth, at least at least they've been thorough. They're going through everyone and they're giving them a thorough grilling first, seeing if they can find these next guys. So I'm never never going to critique that. I just think it's interesting that it's it's one certain specific, specific position they seem to have really gone after. Um, oh, and Depth Man's also put in the end of the chat about the Austins. He's, he's mentioned Stone Cold Steve Austin, and now I've got, like, a million different memes I want to use from one of our Austin receivers getting a touchdown so I kind of want to draft one of them now just for the for the Twitter content that would be hella fun to do um yeah so again yeah just just quick shout out to everyone who's listening I've got loads of people in on Twitch and YouTube at the minute thank you for joining us this evening if you've got any questions about the draft or anything as the night goes on just put them in there and we'll answer them as we go on but for now we will just uh crack on with the pro day so still on the 31st so oregon state the lions went there i ain't got nothing to report from that one these are all undrafted free agent guys from this area nothing really much has come out from there so we'll kind of leave that one as and when it is um next one's texas tech a lot of players worked out at this again but again there's only one guy who people are really focusing on this is a guy who appears in a lot of lions mock drafts obviously talking about the wide receiver eric ezukanma so he ran a 4.53 in his 40, did 10 reps on the bench, not a great amount, did a 7.18 in his three cone and a 36 and a half inch vertical jump. So the Lions fans like him, you guys, you were sold? Yeah, I put him in my mid-season mock because I was watching him at the time. But he's running back, he takes jet sweeps, he takes hands off. He is a very versatile player. Like I said, he also, for the not the biggest size off frame, is willing, is a good blocker, can play outside receiver. He does a lot of everything pretty well. I think there is potential there in rounds three and four. Solid day two option. I think you can mould him in what you want him to be because he's willing to do a little bit of everything. I think he's got good upside and there's a little bit of speed there. Like I say, he's a good ball carrier when the ball's in his hands. Like I say, he's got a good nose for the end zone and uh, he's. He had a pretty good year in a team that I watched a lot of that was stunk. He had some rough quarterback play, and he managed to make those quarterbacks look good, like say, because they did not help themselves, and he dug them out of hole sometime and made big plays when they were called upon. So he was really important this year, and I know a lot of people that like him. I know uh, Ollie Hodgkinson, I think he's seen him as well. There's a lot of chatter, a lot of people like him. 
as one of those mid-round guys. You part of that club, Matt? I haven't seen enough from him, to be quite honest. All I know is that every time we've kind of come on to wide receivers, that Ryan's been banging the table for him as this sort of later-round guy for us, and that's the consistent message I have. So I'm going to go with Ryan on this. We need There's room for a gadget back. We haven't really had a gadget back for a while, someone who can kind of be that wide receiver, running back type of guy. And there's room for that here. So, yeah, we could, we could definitely go to some highlights. Uh, can't argue with that at all. So, uh, yeah, that was really the only guy from Texas Tech, unless anyone has anything else they want to say about any other guys from there. I don't know. Ryan, is there anyone else who takes your interest from that? No. Okay. Yeah, we'll move it on. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, just quickly going back to the D-tackle stuff. Craig Ferguson goes, Aliam is the only good starter D-tackle we have. Probably, yes. Uh, you know, Levi needs time, needs experience in there. I don't count out Brockers just yet, but I think we certainly need one, and We'll go through the mocks later, but my my positions of need have changed a little bit. So, um, yeah, we'll uh, we'll see what goes on with that. Ken goes, I know you guys have done a bunch of research on QBs as well as the late round ones. I'm recently seeing Brock Purdy dropping to the sixth. Not sure why any talk. <laughs> I'll pass this one on to Ryan. Ryan will tell you everything you need to know or not know about Brock Purdy. <laughs> Brock Purdy was predicted to be a Heisman finalist this year, and Iowa State Cyclones were supposed to have gone to the championship, should have made the playoffs. There was so much hype about him, and he fell flat in every sense of the word. I don't trust him. He has liability player turnovers, which is something that can't always be fixed. If you'd asked me 18 months ago, I'd have probably said, yeah, sitting here after watch, after a lot of watch this year, no. Nah. Like I said, I think he could go undrafted. Yeah, I've I, I not, not much to add to that. I mean, if, if Brees Hall hadn't have had the season he'd had for Iowa State, their offense would have been a complete not a train wreck. I mean, Brees Hall, in absence of Brock Purdy, has managed to elevate himself to running back one, pretty well, in, in that conversation. But outside, he has been trash. Me and Ryan said at the start of the season, Spencer Rattler is not going to have one legitimate opposition this year until they play Iowa State last game. Yet when it came to it, it could have been anything but. I mean, Matt, are you any more to add? So when when I was shortlisting the quarterbacks that we were going to profile yesterday um, with Ryan from POD, I wanted to narrow it down to 11 because I know you had your three and everyone else was going to take two. So I was looking at my top 11 quarterbacks and Brock Purdy was within that range on consensus board. But I was reading about all of these guys to narrow it down, and I read this line, and I just want to read it back to you now. This is from the Draft Network's draft profile of him. I read this, and I instantly took him off my board. In the NFL, Purdy is a prospect who best serves in an offense, doesn't have to push the ball vertically, but an offense that would rather the quarterback get the ball out of his hands quickly. So basically, you want a quarterback that doesn't want the ball. Great. Thanks for that. Don't want him. <laughs> Just dump it off. Like, if you're taking Drew Brees at the end of his career as your starter, thanks, but no thanks. Yeah, agreed. I mean, sorry to rain on. If you do like him there, Ken, I do apologise. But, you know, we've, we, we, we did hype up. I mean, in fact, Ryan hyped up Brock Purdy at the start of the season, and he was on that train, and he is legitimately disappointed. This is not just like a vendetta or anything like that. It's just legitimately been really bad, so... If he's there at the end, I'd, I'd still sooner be taking guys like EJ Perry and Akil Glass if I'm going to deal with a development prospect over him. 
unfortunately he's uh, one who has slipped through the cracks but it happens every year to at least one guy but speaking of quarterbacks who had good years that moves us on to Western Kentucky last pro day uh, for the last Thursday in question now obviously their quarterback Bailey Zappi made headlines all throughout college this year broke Joe Burrow's record of most yards most touchdowns pretty much just about every record going he's had himself a very solid offseason had a decent combine and now he's had a very good pro day to go along with that he completed 55 of 56 passes bearing in mind they were outside as well they weren't practicing indoors there was inclement weather outside completed 55 of 56 13 of which with deep throws, showcased his entire arsenal that he does have available. Yes, he's not under any pressure, nothing like that, but that's still pretty impressive for outdoors. So he's had himself a great day there. His main receiving option, Jareth Stearns, ran a 4.49 in the 40, did a 4.14 short shuttle and had a 40-inch vertical jump. All really, really good results and then the third guy from there we've also had him on the senior ball squad i believe the edge d'angelo malone ran a 455 in the 40 that's incredibly quick for an edge 704 three cone 434 short shuttle 35 and a half inch vertical jump and a nine foot 11 broad jump i mean the western kentucky guys have just outdone themselves this offseason you got a quarterback who could potentially be a decent backup sooner rather than later you've got a highly promising edge rusher good receiver yeah they just all bowled out the pro days what do you think i think jareth stearns has the best potential the next level now you know i love bailey zappi you love bailey zappi the best quarterback season possibly in history but unfortunately his small size and being an area quarterback we know that just won't fly at the next level it's not going to transition to the nfl because it just never does because quarterbacks at the next level don't have to throw the ball 40 to 60 times a game on a good team. Because that's what gets you in trouble. And that's what he, that's the really only thing he knows and what he learned at Western Kentucky. So I'm not sure on a smaller sample size if he can rein that in. And I don't know if he's tough enough. Like I say, he's got the small frame. The arm's good, but he's a project. But I don't think, with a look at the Lions roster, We've probably got room for him because I think he's going to go in those middle rounds where we probably can't really accommodate him, unfortunately. He could very well make a good backup. But Jeff Stearns, later on in the draft, much more interesting to me. I'd say had a phenomenal year. I'd say he had a real good connection. He was a really good deep threat, home run kind of guy that we look for because Zach could get the ball downfield. I think he's going to be definitely on the table on late day two, early three. And then... I'd say D'Angelo, good, solid, I don't know, edge 12, 13. He's going to be one of those projects that's raw, that's athletic, that will probably be another late day two, early day three. But I suspect all three should be picked up. And if any of them land in just the right scenario, you could see them all on an active game day roster next year. But I quite like Stearns. I think I'd be happy to take a flyer on him. Yeah, no, I, I, I like Stearns. I quite like Malone, but the size is the thing for him. I remember when profiling me, he's the one who has to win round the edge to really do his damage and, you know, it's the next level. That's easier said than done, but again, I agree with you. If he if he lands in the right situation, someone's going to get a great player with him. Um, Super Cyan Lion says, I like Malone a lot. He's a steal in the later rounds. Got no arguments there. 
Absolutely, if you can get him late enough, if he falls just that little bit, you're going to get some terrific value for him. Uh, Matt, obviously we've seen quite a lot of these Western Kentucky guys this year. We've had them on the Senior Bowl squad. What do you, what do you make of the three guys who've come from there? I'm, I'm with Ryan on Malone, for sure. He's someone that I can definitely see us taking if we don't go edge early for whatever reason. Um, and, you know, we can always do with some development guys at the moment. We actually don't have that many developmental edges after kind of having so many for so long. We now have Julian Aquara as the one kind of guy who's still there who's a proper developmental guy, and that's pretty much it. So there is room for someone else like that, and he might be able to offer you a bit of something as well as a rotational piece. Zappi, we talked about him yesterday. And, I mean, if you compare that pro day workout to Desmond Ritter, who you know I was kind of pounding the table for yesterday a little bit. But Ritter missed eight of his passes in his pro day indoors. It was a similar number of passes, and Zappi missed one. So, you know, does that prove that, that Zappi is better than we thought, that Ritter's worse than I thought? Does it prove that pro days don't really matter for quarterbacks? I don't know the answer to that question, but yeah. I do know that I do know that I, I'm not taking Zappi, um, even if he falls to the seventh. I just, I don't think he fits us and what we need from uh, a development guy. I don't see how he wins in the NFL, so I'm not worrying about that. Stearns is a really interesting one. So I've just been looking at my consensus board that I built a month ago, and I, I just kind of quickly updating it is kind of holding firm. He's meant to be an undrafted guy. He's kind of ranked around 270 to 300. And I think a lot of that's due to his physical profile. He's 5'7 and he's light. But he's fast. And that vertical jump at his height, I mean, that's going to allow him to compete even though he's short. So I can definitely see us taking a flyer on him as a 6th, as a 7th rounder if prior to UDFA if he gets that far. Sure. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think the general consensus is there's a lot to work with, providing you can get the value for the pick. I, I kind of agree with Zappi. I don't know whether he will fit us or not, but I do remember we were doing the show yesterday and I saw one comment that I forgot to reply to from um, William Birach, and he is a guy who I talk to a lot on Luke's podcast. He's very knowledgeable. He works in, he works with one of the college teams himself, and he, he seemed to imply that it wasn't an air raid offense at Kentucky they seem to play a different way and he might translate better I need to talk to him about that to see if there's anything that I've missed but it certainly looked air raid to pretty much everybody so we'll have to wait and see what that is oh Ashley's just popped up in Twitch actually you've just saved me a job there Ash because the Twitch chat went quiet and it said the link was a little unstable I just want to make sure you were all still there um quick quiz question does Stearns have any special teams experience Anyone? I don't know off the uh, top of my head. No, I don't think he did. Not tons. Right. But he'd be an ideal candidate for it. Okay, so I don't think he's had any so far, Ash, but could do it. And, oh God, afterwards he goes. Because if he does, I'd give him a good, long, hard, stern look. Oh my God. We really need to do something about that boy's sense of humour. He really... Boo him. Boo him out, chat. Boo... <laughs> Yeah, everyone in the Twitch. Everyone <laughs> oh, no, in the I Twitch. Meant, I meant boot him. Actually, boot, boot him. him. <laughs> oh, right, boot him out. Everybody in the Twitch chat, just give Ash some grief for that one. That's that's just a terrible joke, guys. You're bringing down the level of comedy on here, Ash. Come on, you can do better than that. But yeah, he's not got no special team so far. So uh, there we go with that one. Um, Craig in the chat goes drafting two edge rushers should be considered. I think. I think. I agree absolutely. 
I think you could double dip at a lot of positions. I think you take safety and edge early. I think you can double dip again later. If you go linebacker early, if we do want a linebacker, you can double dip. I think there's a few places we can certainly double dip. But edge, there are some options later in the draft. Absolutely. Even at 66, double dip in there with Cameron Thomas. That is an option. He had a good pro day this week. We'll talk about it in a bit. But I'd absolutely double dip with him there. So, yep, we could definitely double dip with edge rushers. Super Saiyan goes, if any QB misses more than five passes in his pro day, that's a red flag to me. Pro day is basically a choreography practice. That is true. You are concerned. It, it depends. Did the receivers drop them? Was it on him? I, I don't know the specifics from Desmond's, but certainly Zappi's outside was damn good. So, you know, good for him. Right, so, I'm going to have to leave you fellas. My, my time, free time is up. So well, keep up the good work and I'll, for, I'll see you boys soon. Yeah, thank you for dropping in with us and we'll see you again soon. Take it easy. Right. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Take care. Right, so... Let's move on. I'd like, to sign a, I'd like to sign a petition to get rid of quarterback pro days because they are utterly pointless. I just just make them do drills. They should be doing the cone drills and the vertical. I want that was what I'd be more interested in than watching them throw sixty pointless passes to no defense. Yeah, and that one like the Malik Willis one then gets heralded on every single media organization in America, and you get to the point where you you're fed up of seeing it. Yes, he's a good quarterback, but he's making it under no pressure. There is a huge, huge difference when you have a 350-pound man charging at you at 20 mile an hour and you're trying to make a throw rather than just doing it in your gym jams on pro day. They, they do need to change it up a little bit, I think. Or just, like you say, not do them. Do the physical, see how they do on their feet, how they do with their mechanics, stuff like that. Maybe there's something better they could do with it. Um... Ash says now make them do the accuracy thing from the Pro Bowl. I guess he means, you know, like when they do the QB day and they throw through the... targets. Yeah, 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 yeah. That could be quite interesting, actually. I would uh, I would like to see that. So, yeah. Um, I'm all for that. Absolutely. Anyhow, um, cheers for all your questions, comments. Keep them coming in. But we're just going to quickly dive back into the Pro Day stuff for now. So, that was everything on the 31st. Then got to the 1st of April... April Fool's Day, but there was nothing April Fools-ish about the contingent that the Lions sent to watch one Kayvon Thibodeau. Seven staff altogether. Brad Holmes, Chris Spielman, we had area scouts, I believe there were some of the other coaches there as well. This was a really well attended program, and the Lions making absolutely no secret of their interest in him i said in the podcast yesterday the reason they've sent so many guys is probably because they are conflicted about him you need the most amount of opinions in the room to try and come to a consensus i think that really sets it out there for me but in terms of the day himself he didn't do a great deal wrong he did 723 in his three cone 438 in his short shuttle he broad jumped to 911 he looked uh, nine foot eleven. He looked really good in his positional drills. The Lions spent a very long time talking to him when this was done. I think it's very obvious, Rye. They've gone there to try and get as much intelligence as possible because they are still split. I'm slowly coming to terms with that. I'm, I think he's the guy. I think they might have just been there to convince themselves or just cross dots of eyes, cross some T's, speaking to him, 
getting to know him a little bit better. But I, I think they sent that many people there. That shows a statement of intent. I said, I don't think that was smoke and mirrors because I already know Michael Wright and Verone McKinley have not done very well physically. The Rascals weren't great. They've not had very good free. So he was the only reason we were there, the way I'm considering it. It wasn't even like just to say, oh, well, we're all here to see everyone. They were there to see him. And when you, when you send the big guns, that means they are, they are serious. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Brad Holmes has already been out there to watch him once. I think it was when they played UCLA. If I remember rightly, he made a special trip to go and watch him then. So that's twice he's flown to the other side of the country to go and watch him play, be it his pro day or in an actual game situation. He's taken everybody with him. I think I think out of all their top prospects, Hamilton, Hutchinson, you know, whoever else might be in there, he was probably the one where the opinion was split the most. I would say, and I reckon that's why they've gone there, but he had a good day, so fair play to him, and we're going to be hearing a lot more about this in the upcoming weeks. I'm still not sure. I still think there's a few issues there, but you know, they know better than me, and if they draft him, I'll be absolutely 100% behind them, but issue. Um, you mentioned the secondary guys there. When we mentioned the Oregon Pro Day last week, they said the two guys to watch out for, Verone McKinley, Mikhail Wright. I particularly like Mikhail Wright as a cornerback option, but as you said, they did struggle. Um, I mean, Mikel Wright, he ran a 4.56 in his 40, which for a corner, meh. 6.82 in the three cone, 4.29 in his short shuttle, 31 and a half inch vertical, and a 9 foot 9 broad jump. And then Verone McKinley, the safety, he ran a 4.67 in his 40, which, you know, if you're a safety, if you're a safety and you run that, apparently you get cancelled, so he's got to get cancelled too. Um, Three Coney ran a 7.12, Shuttle 4.38. Both of them struggled, and, you know, it kind of makes you think, where are they going to go in the draft now? Because for me, I was quite happy. At one point, I was happy with Mikhail right in the second. I'm not anymore. Verone McKinley, maybe in day two, not anymore. I think they've slipped in my eyes. No, McKinley's something like a stone. You can't be half as good as Hamilton and put the same numbers up as him, because that just kills your draft stock dead in the water. Like I say, he is so far away from being Hamilton level. So to put them numbers up, you can't even make an excuse for McKinley. Like I say, that is not a good forty. And the uh, the rest of it was not great either. So he is sinking like a stone in a what I think is a deep safety class. Michael Wright, I think he could still sneak into the end of the second, early third. Yeah. But yeah, it was it was not the best supporting cast. Did did Johnny Johnson the third work out? You've got a receiver, haven't there? The small dude. He did. I've got his. Uh, I've got this wonderful little chart I managed to find here. So his forty time was four sixty four. He benched eighteen. Oh, I thought he did faster than that. Yeah, I did. Uh, his bench was eighteen. Three cone was seven fourteen. Shuttle was four twenty eight. Vertical was thirty five and a half. Broad jump was ten foot one. All right, he's not the biggest guy, so I thought he'd be a bit more agile than that. Yeah, speed wise. Yeah, I mean, yeah, outside of that, not a lot really stood out. I mean, Anthony Brown didn't really do much. The running back, CJ Vidal, meh, he had an okay day, but his 40 was a 468. That's slow. At least, even I thought he was a little so, yeah, bit quicker yeah. than that. So, before this year, I was so high on Vidal last year. I thought he could have been running back one or two this year, but I'm pretty sure he dealt with some injuries this year. 
which really set him back, unfortunately. He had the I think ended, he's still he? gonna. I think he's yeah, he had a season ender. He's gonna be a he's gonna be a gem. He will go low, and he could be a starter running back in the NFL. I think he's brilliant. Mm, maybe have the sort of Elijah Mitchell thing taken late in the fifth starter already for the 49ers potentially could follow that path one never knows um so yeah that's everything from oregon it was mainly cave on but unfortunately i wish the secondary guys had done a little bit better so we'll see what goes on with them uh, craig ferguson in the youtube chat says cam thomas would be a great draft pick we mentioned him a minute ago yes he would be me and ryan have both made it abundantly clear we love the mountain west it produces tough players he can play anywhere from like the three tech all the way out to the nine on the far side and he's just so damn tough he's seen bull rushing tackles much bigger than him it's, it's so impressive and i'm really glad he got to put in a good pro day there i don't know whether we were there and i assume and hope we were but i was really happy to see him work out so well and hopefully you know he gets his dues in the draft hopefully maybe with us if he slips to 66 you've got to have him high up on your board um but yeah, for the 1st of April, he was the Brad Holmes, Chris Spielman. They weren't the only guys who were on the move that day. Don Mulbach, legend, the Don, the guy who was around forever and a day, now on the coaching staff. He went to watch the guys at Houston, which is intriguing because there are some really good prospects there. I mean, we were talking, I was talking the other day about the cornerback from there, and I have completely and utterly forgot his name, Marcus Jones. Marcus Jones. Marcus I'm Jones. not going to forget his name, Marcus Jones. So Marcus Jones, the return specialist, nine return touchdowns in college. I think five of them are kick returns, four of them are pump returns, but nine touchdowns, a hell of a great special teamer there. Um... He's injured, I believe, at the minute, and he didn't take part in the day itself. He's not far off full fitness, but if you're looking for a guy who's going to come in and be a returner straight out of the block and give you developmental upside as a cornerback, then go for him. I mean, watch last week's pod. I mentioned about him then. I talked about him then quite a lot. He was one of my five sleepers to watch in this draft. In terms of other guys there, the only the only names I've got are Cody Rusi, the inside offensive lineman, and David, and oh, God, Anne. I, I can't really pronounce that name. He's an edge rusher. They both have bench scores on there, but that's all. Is is there anything from Houston? Anyone from Houston you want to highlight at all, or should we just move this one on? <laughs> no, just move on. Marcus Jones, you're drafting him. You're drafting him to be a returner because I, I think the, the ceiling as a corner is capped. So I think you've got to bear that in mind when people are going to take him. Like, don't take him too high because even when he's back for healthy, I don't think he's going to be a. I think it could be a slot corner, probably at his best. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, you might be right on that one. Um, maybe overhyping him up a little bit there. Um, oh, Ash just made a good point. Logan Hall's there. The defensive end. I've not got any times for what he did there, but you know, he's had a really good off season. There's a lot of good footage up of him. So we've had a look. We seem to be in the market for defensive help on the defensive line so certainly a name to watch out for when it comes to Houston um, who else were out there so we were also at the Kentucky Pro Day of course we were there's a lot of chatter about Wandale Robinson the wide receiver from there and in fairness I've maybe slept on him a little bit there I'm, I'm actually quite interested in taking him if the opportunity arises in terms of draft values so he did a few 
uh, most of them did a few bits this day because they got pretty good combine scores. So one Dale did the bench. He bench rep 19 times, which were a receiver, pretty decent. 679 in his three cone, again pretty good. 35 inch vertical, again not bad. The other guy I've got notes for, Luke Fortner, the inside offensive lineman. I believe he's their centre, if I remember rightly. 31 bench reps, 29 inch vertical jump, and then Yusuf Corker, their safety. He did most of the drills because I don't think he went to the combine. He did a 4.55 in his 40, 7.06 in the three cone, 4.46 in the shuttle, 34 and a half inch vertical, 10 foot one in the broad jump. I mean, Kentucky's the one-stop shop for your trenches. A lot of guys who are coming out the trenches there this year, both offensive side, defensive side, and then you've got Wondell Robinson in there who the Lions are really, really keen on. Um, what do you make of them? Obviously, it's no surprise that they've gone there, but who do you think the eye might really be on from them? Uh, see, I'm not as high on Wondell. Like, if he falls, I think he's like, it's probably like a fourth rounder. I think that's probably where I'd be comfortable taking him. Lineman, no, I'm not taking him. Logan Stenberg turned out to be a bum, so that kind of ruined it for me. This nasty Kentucky O-line thing. It doesn't really exist because we didn't see it. So... I'm not super high on the trenches there. Yusuf Corker, he's a lot way down the pecking order. He's going to be a really late pick, I'd say, because he's a bit smaller, so I'm not trusting him. So I think one deal's probably the only guy. I wish we had a fourth-round pick. Yeah. I think we'll probably have to do some dealings and get one, but I'd plunge him. I'd take him in the fourth. I don't, there's a lot of guys ahead of him I'd take before that, so I don't want to reach to the third. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that's a fair assessment. So, yeah, I'd probably take Wandale in the fourth. But if you are in the market for the trenches again, you've got Darian Kennard, the offensive tackle, Josh Pascal, the defensive end, Luke Fortner, as I mentioned, the centre, and then you've got Mark Juan McCall, the defensive tackle. So check them out if you maybe want some help on the line. Um, I like Pascal. He definitely is a project, is Pascal. Yeah. He's going to go a lot later than some of the edge guys, but as a pass rusher, he has got a really athletic upside. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. I think you put him really out wide, though. You don't want him internally. No, 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 no. I've, I've seen him play sort of in the line and just gets lost in the traffic far too many times. Like I say, if you give him a one on one, give him a good chance, he will he will make plays for you. But yeah, I think that's the only thing with him is it's the versatility is not quite there. He's kind of mainly exclusively an outside guy. And there are guys in this draft who can slot inside and do some damage as well. So, But yeah, Kentucky, go there if you like your trench warfare. So that was everything for the first. That was last Friday. And that really was the last full day of pro days. You know, it's been going on for the last three weeks. There's been a couple of ones since then. Nothing much. but So Monday just gone, the 4th of April. It was Montana State's Pro Day. Now, you know, anyone who listens to this podcast very, at least semi-regularly knows of the main guy from Montana State. Of course, you're talking Troy Anderson, the linebacker who has been shooting up draft boards quicker than Grease Lightning. You know, he's just the darling of the draft process at this moment in time. He had an incredibly great combine. He just did a little bit of filling in of the work here. And I mean, Christ. In his three cone, he ran 6.72. His short shuttle was 3.99, so it was sub four seconds. That is just the proverbial bow 
on top of the proverbial iced cake, on top of the proverbial big-ass W for how his off-season has gone. I mean, the sky's the limit for him now. He could he could be in top round two consideration, I guess, by this point, and you, you can't fault him. You can't fault him for that. He could be. I don't want him to be. <laughs> I, I know where I want him, and yeah. everyone knows I really want him. See... I think I think we're more into him than teams. Like like say, I'm not sure all the teams really buy it. Like say, a lot of them question one level of competition. Like say, coming from the SCFs and Montana State, a lot of them will really will look down on him. Like say, not playing those high powered offenses, even though he's 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 the three keyest athlete probably to come out of this draft. He has done everything incredibly well. This season, only six four and like like two twenty five, two thirties. He's an absolute freak, phenomenal. And he interviews really well. He seems like a really nice, down-to-earth guy. I think someone asked him the other day, like, is Montana really like this stereotypical thing? I can't remember they used some, like, stupid-like thing. And he was like, he's a really nice guy, really good to talk to, like, in the interviews. So he's one of my crushes. I'm totally sold on him. I hope that some of them think that the uh, the combine is not everything and they did not too high on him. I would like him to slide a little bit because then I will gobble him up. <laughs> yeah, making no bones about that one. I would as well. Um, looking at my mock draft, yes, I absolutely 100% would. Um, Ash in the Twitch has a heart-eyed face for Josh Pascal. He is a fan of him. So, yeah, again, maybe a later pick in the draft going to give you some help in your trenches there. Um, the other pro day that happened... On the 4th of April, well, it wasn't a pro day so much as a personal workout. We've mentioned him a few times already, but Cameron Thomas, the edge from San Diego State. Ryan loves him. I love him. I think he's going to be a hell of a great player at the next level. He's had a, a lingering hamstring issue, so he's taken his time in getting through his stats for the day. Like Drake London, just sort of put it on hold a little bit so he could really work out in front of the scouts. He ended up doing incredibly well. He ran the three cone. He did that in 6.87 seconds. Now, for reference, that's 0.02 seconds slower than Trayvon Walker, the athletically gifted, well, no end of athletic, talently gifted guy who's now getting projected to us at two a lot of the time. That just shows you how good his result was there. He also jumped to 33.5 inch vertical. Um, as he was able to work his way out. He's got up to 265 pounds as well. Put on a little bit of weight, but probably a good thing in terms of how uh, how he is. Just put on that little bit of extra bulk when the uh, tackles get a bit bulkier at the NFL level. But we both love him, and it was great to see him have a good day out, wasn't it? Yep, the reigning king defensive player of the year from the Mountain West this year. Something stupid like, I think it was like 20 and a half tackles for loss. It was like we're top 10 in the nation, not by Ben Will Anderson. Like I said, if he, he should be there in the third round. And when he's there, like, I'd absolutely learn. I would be willing to wait for him for edge. Like I said, I could happily settle on. If he's the only edge we take in this class, I would feel fine about that. Yeah, agreed. I think if you could promise me that he was there at 66, I would be like you. I would be quite happy to pass on edge early because I think the value is terrific for what you're getting. And you can fix other spots with your earlier picks in the draft. I agree. I, I think we really like him. 
absolutely that much. So yeah, that was Montana State. Um, no one else really. But is there anyone else who you had eyes on there? I do have the results for the guys who were in. No, no, yeah, just that's the Troy Anderson yeah. show. So yeah, that's all to do with him. And then in terms of other pro days, the last one was today, actually. So it was the pro day for. LSU, the Tigers, obviously the the big prospect everybody wants to see is the one who's been injured since the third game of last season with a Lisfranc injury in his foot. We are, of course, talking about the cornerback, Derek Stingley Jr. And now, obviously, a lot of people want to see how he did. No fewer than nine secondaries coaches went to this pro day, including our own Aubrey Pleasant, who has got, gone to get up close and personal with him because talk all the injury stuff aside this guy was potentially a top three pick at the start of this season I know me and Matt had an argument today saying that I reckon he's not been anywhere near as good as he has the last few years I know you think the same Rye Matt seems to disagree but people have gone to take a good uh, a good look at him he ran a 4.37 in his 40 yard dash it's unofficial I think I saw it was between 4.33 4.37 um, I think it was a 38 and a half inch vertical he had there. It was over a 10 foot broad jumpy. He seems to have recovered from whatever it is, and he's he's had a decent day. But I think me and you are still firmly entrenched in the yeah, someone else can have him camp. Oh no, I ain't taking him. But I do want if someone wants to trade up to two to get him. He his workout today has proved to me that he could still go in the top three. I still think he has got genuine trade up value now. So I'm delighted with his workout. I ain't touching him. I ain't touching Sauce Gardner. I ain't touching a cornerback for at least the first 40 picks. I am not interested whatsoever. So please stop mocking cornerbacks, to, especially two in the first round, because I just don't want to see it. It is not a dire need. Some people think it is, but I'm just not sold on it being a, a credible need that we have to reach early on. But yeah, he looked, he looked fantastic today. He looked really good. Yeah, and you know uh, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy for him. Yeah, I, I'm happy as well. Like I say, you know, it's not nice when you have the injuries like that. It's good that he's back from it. It's good that he's back at full fitness. They say it's good that you know someone else might be able to develop him there. Just not us, not for where we are and the uh, the needs we have on this team right now. So, but yeah, we've gone and looked at him. We've done our due diligence. No doubt, Pleasant will be banging the door down for him, just as every other positional coach will be banging down. Brad Holmes' store for one particular prospect. It's the name of the game there. So, uh, yeah, well done to him. Uh, just quickly going back to Troy Anderson before we finish this. Ash has put in a pop culture reference that even I don't know, so this must be one. He goes, my favourite Troy since Mr. Bolton was last in a high school musical. I have absolutely no idea what that's about. If that's about high school musical, then that's fine. But that yes, one's... it is. Oh, is it? All right, well... You know, I like my pop culture references. You can tell by our Twitter that I do, but even that one got me. So I'll take your word for that one there, Ashley. So that is everything in regards to the pro days. So we've had the last three weeks. The Lions have been very busy. They've been exhaustive in their search of talent for next year, not just at the top of the draft or with the picks they've got, but in undrafted free agency as well. Hopefully you've learned a little bit more through that. Hopefully uh, you have enjoyed that. So, uh, yeah, that is that for another year in terms of the pro day schedule unless you have anything else you want to add before we uh, sign off on this particular topic right nope like say Drake London I'm not bothered about his pro day because I'd still draft him at 32 even if I didn't see him work out 
between now and then, I would still take him between 32 and 34, even come off to the ankle surgery. I, I'm, I don't think he needs to convince anyone. And I'm very worried that he's going to Green Bay. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I agree. So, yeah, if, if you are interested in Drake London and you want to see him work out, I believe it's April the 15th, he's got a personal pro day. It's either the 15th or the 16th. He's got a personal pro day, so that's the last one of anybody before the draft. I think, you know, the teams have their open days and that before then, where they invite prospects along. I don't know how easy it is to figure out who that is, but we will keep an eye out and we will let you know if uh, anything happens. Debt Famine in the chat goes, but... But after they announce Akuda's move to safety, cornerback one would be fantastic. No. <laughs> no. With Jeff Akuda. Yeah. If Jeff is healthy this year and not very good, I will trade him instantly. I will get rid. I am not I'm not pissing about no more. I am not clinging on to guys down the future. If he, he is gone at the end of this year, cut or traded or released, if he is healthy and he does not live up to that potential. I am not kicking the bucket on him, unfortunately. Like I say, I, we have put a lot of money and time into rehabbing him, paying him, and getting our hopes upon him. So he is on a very short leash for me. And then cornerback will become a big priority next year. Yeah, I, th- I think you have to give him the chance and then maybe do it down the line. I, I, I don't want him to move to safety because I want to draft some safeties. I want some good safeties this year. I don't want Will Harris. So I want a double dip. I want to have some new exciting faces. Give Akuda his chance. He's got a job to get his... He's got a battle on to get his starting job back, I feel. Me and you have both said he ain't a starter next year, even if they're all fit. No. He's got to earn it back, so... No, I don't see it. If he can't... Yeah, I think Jeff could play strong safety, but Akuda won't move. No. He will not move. He's taken his old number back for a reason. He's yeah. going back to number one because he's allowed to now. So he's playing cornerback. Yeah. Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think he's going to move. I think he's going to want to prove himself where he was in college. I mean, I guess if they ask him and say, look, this is your one chance to get back on the team, I guess he would do it. He would strike me as the guy who would, but I guess you have to give him the chance. But he's going to have to win that spot back, plainly and simply. Jeff Akuda is not a starter next year, even if he's healthy. You know, Jerry's earned that spot. You know, Amani's earned that spot. They've all earned their spots in there, and he needs to he needs to work it off them and really bust a gut to get that back. Uh, well... You mentioned trading him next year. Depth man follows up with, I wonder what trade compensation we could get for him, if any. I mean, I guess, what would you take for him? Very, very little. You'd be, you'd be struggling to get a forfeit for him. With what you're currently seeing right now, you're only going off the college tape and a little bit of pros. You would struggle to get a day two pick for him, probably. Yeah, I'd probably agree with you there. Uh, Craig agrees. He goes for for sure. Akuda performs this year, or he's gone. So, well, seems he's on a clock. So hopefully, he can step up. Uh, Ken goes next year's big priority is QB. Probably is. Probably unless Goff really, really shocks us and performs above above there. So yeah, I think quarterback issues are going to be a lot more talked about. There were probably a lot more people on side with it next year. Not to mention the quarterback class. Has a lot of intriguing prospects, and I'm not just yeah, talking. Yeah. I'm not just talking Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud. Don't just focus on them too. There are a lot of potential gems behind him. Your K.J. Jeffersons, your Will Levises. There's some good talent coming through in college. Sam Hartman, Sam Hartman, Grayson McCall. Grayson McCall. There's a lot of good quarterbacks next year. Exactly, and you're not going to have to spend primo picks on them either. So, you know, keep an eye on. We'll, we'll, obviously, we'll do the next college season over the summer, but yeah, quarterback. 
A lot of reason to be optimistic. Don't worry about having to trade to one or two for Young or Stroud. There is value to be had. Uh, Depth Fan Man goes, next year's other priority is replacing forward down the field. Well, yeah, that's probably... <laughs> I think he mentioned that on the pod the other day, but yeah, I think they need some new songs. We need some good British chants in there, don't we? We need to, we need to go over there and get some good chanting going. Replace some songs. That's one thing we're good at over like there. Like Sweet Caroline. Oh, well, need yeah. some Neil Diamond, Sweet Caroline. Oh, yeah. Just the no, British anthem. Oh, ours is Sailing by Rod Stewart, and I'm fed up of it by now, so I'm not doing that one. But it's just, oh, it gets me. Yeah, we need some fresh ideas all over the show, I think. Town need one, I know that much. Um, in the Twitch chat, we have a first-time chat from Irish Incarnate. Thank you very much for watching with us. He... Uh, Ah, he explains the uh, the Troy mystery that Ash has put in there. Zac Efron was Troy Bolton in High School Musical. Michael Bolton was in Office Space. The other Michael Bolton is a no-talent-ass clown that sings songs. I like that no-talent-ass clown that sings songs. I don't think... It, oh, in fact, I best not avoid that on air. No, we'll not do that. Um, <laughs> Ken Stardo goes, I hate that old tune as well. It seems forward down the field needs some hate and needs replacing. So, yeah, absolutely. Right. Now that we've gone through all that, let's get on to the main chunk of this. Obviously, we're here to do our mock draft. So, long-time viewers of the podcast will know that we did a half-season mock draft. We did an end-of-season mock draft. But we've not done any since then. Obviously, we've been analysing everything that's gone on with the postseason, trying to put all these little bits of information together before really settling on our... Uh, on mocks for the draft. Now, this, this could change maybe in time. Less chance for the seven-round one. I mean, the first-round one's an absolute nightmare at the minute. Trades have already started happening. More trades are going to happen. Eleven of this year's first-round picks have already been traded. It's going to be a nightmare to do one of those. I know you've done one and you're refusing to do another one. I've done three in the last week, and I'm getting fed up of them, but today we're doing the seven-round Sorry, if they trade the pick, I'll just rub out the player and I'll just throw it at the new position. <laughs> Yeah, just rub out the numbers. Just right. As long as you don't leave the first round, you can just keep the player. <laughs> yeah, screw it. I'm taking them there. That, that's just the one thing I'm doing there with that. So, yeah. So we're just gonna do our seven round mocks today. I don't know if you've done any trades. I have not. I've just picked guys at the positions no. that we're picking. Yeah, we're gonna keep it nice and easy for you. We'll go through our picks. We'll discuss them a little bit, and then we'll recap them off at the end. I'm sorry, I've got no. Audio, I've got no visuals I can put up at the minute. Once the draft's done and we've got some... I'll tweet it after and yeah. I'll put a little explanation or something. I'll yeah. do a thread. Yeah, we'll, we'll tweet them out afterwards so that you can look at them in their entirety. At once the draft's done, because we've got so much work on with the draft at the minute, we'll start trying to come up with visuals for the show, you know, like players' faces and stuff like that, and then we can take the show up a notch and so you're not having to figure out who we're trying to talk about all the time. Uh, just quickly before we do, Ken says, I like the look of us in whites. Looked clean. Wish they changed the name to White Lions. Then we would start with a W instead of an L. Just saying, well, who knows? That could be a possible thing. I think the white kits are fire. I really want us to bring the black kits back next year. I know that's a source of yes. thing. But we're, we're all like, team, bring the black jerseys back because they are absolutely fire. Maybe jazz them up a little bit and that will be absolutely cool um let me just check twitch before we go on ash says don't worry when i go over i'll teach them how to properly chant you do that and uh maybe maybe teach florida like don't have any chants no i mean well you know you just and yeah i guess it is it's a shame isn't it you don't need to treat you know 
we're going to need to get some winning chance into the Florida State Stadium as well because, you know, not had a winning season since 2017. Going to need to inject some life into that there because if you hear the FSU fan chanting the referees, are, you know who to blame. I don't know if the Americans have picked up to that one, so... I think we need to come up with some... I don't feel like they use that word. No, they don't. So, yeah, we'll leave that one. We'll find some good British football chance for you to be able to use over there instead and update the music just a little bit. Right, so I digress a little bit. Let's get on with the mock draft. So, obviously, nine picks this year. A couple in the first round, a round two, two round threes, a round five, two round sixes, and a round seven. Pick number two... <laughs> Right, so what we're going to do with this, I forgot to say, is when we go through the picks, we're going to say who we've picked, but then we're also going to discuss a few other players who could potentially be in play who we would be quite happy with as well. Don't worry, we're not going to do it about pick two. We've spent far, far, far too long arguing about pick two to the point where it's not fun anymore. We're going to do some of the later picks introduce you maybe to some of the guys there and if you have any suggestions for players at these picks as well please put them in the chat and we will discuss them as well uh, Craig says maybe we need a soccer chant like the Vikings use uh, I don't want to use anything the Vikings use I want to find some uh, soccer chants that are anti-Vikings that could be something fun to do actually but yeah anyhow I'm digressing again so mock drafts pick number two Ryan I shall let you go first in your mock draft for the Detroit Lions for the 2022 NFL Draft. Who have you picked at pick two? This is a disclaimer. Some of the picks aren't people I want, but I'm trying to be realistic. Like I say, pick two, I have gone Kayvon Thibodeau. I think Aiden Hutchinson is locked in pretty much as number one. I don't think we're going to get him. I think he'll be off the board. And I'm now convinced that we've spent so much time with him that he has got that nice, big, cheesy grin that he has won Brad Holmes over. Like I say, Chris Spielman might be a bit harder to convince, but I think the uh, the pen is so well whispering his ear, the Oregon connection. Like I say, I feel like they're going to look for him to help fix a pass rush that has been stagnant in the last few years, and we've now got the issue of injuries as well and players coming back from recovery. So, Kayvon Thibodeau from Oregon. Okay, Ryan going with Kayvon Thibodeau. So, for me, for pick number two, for long-time listeners of the Roar of the Lions UK podcast, you will know that we started the movement for Kyle Hamilton to be the pick all the way back in November. This was before it was cool to support Kyle Hamilton. We were the ones who started the movement. Me in particular really started banging the drum for him. It's a line that I've stuck to all the way since then, and I fully believe that you've got to have belief in your convictions. I have to see this through to the end I don't care about the combine and the things I've seen since. I still believe in him. I still believe he's a generational talent. And I still believe that, yes, you don't normally draft a safety so high. But there are exceptions to the rule. Quentin Nelson is an exception to the guard rule. He's one of the best players in the NFL now. No guard's been taken that high since because there's been no one that good. You've got to know when the good talent comes around. And you've got to take it. So for me, I'm sticking with him till the end. Whether we draft him or not. Pick number two, I am picking Kyle Hamilton, the safety from Notre Dame. So, we are going to leave it at that. I want Kyle. Yeah. I want Kyle. I just can't see it anymore. And people have made me feel bad. Like I say, people have just, it's, I'm so glad when the draft ends, like I say, because it's just, it's an endless bashing of people just saying, we can't take Hamilton too. There's no reason we can't take Hamilton too. 
I just don't feel like we're gonna know. I just feel like it's cooling. It's at a lukewarm temperature right now. Yeah, I I feel that as well, and I do think that the hopes are fading. But like I say, I stick to my beliefs. I do with the drafts. I stuck with Micah Parsons right till the end last year until we took Penesul. I'm sticking with Kyle Hamilton this year. So Ryan has taken Kevon Thibodeau. I have taken Kyle Hamilton, and we're not going to spend any more time on two because it just involves arguing and. Yeah, we lost a couple of viewers there, so maybe they're not pro Hamilton. <laughs> That's what happens when you declare oh, you, love okay, you, you lose a few people there. I'm sorry if I upset the people who've just left. So uh, thank you for everyone else who is still sticking with us at this point, though. So we're moving on. So obviously we've got second pick in the first round at number 32, right at the other end. So you've gone edge first. Who are you going with next? I'm staying with defense. I'm taking Jaquan Briska, Penn State. I think I don't know if we will be there, but he worked out phenomenally well. He had a great combine. He had a really good year. He is a very strong, strong safety. He's physical. He's very aggressive. Like I say, he gets stuff done. He's very productive. And I think he'll fit the system well next to Tracy Walker. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm fully on board. I do like Jaquan Brisk. If we miss on Kyle Hamilton, he's the next guy. I hope to hell that he manages to fall to us to one of those positions as well. So I would absolutely no issue with that whatsoever. So Ryan has gone Kayvon Thibodeau and then he's gone Jaquan Brisker. I started with Kyle Hamilton. I'm now looking at my edge class and I'm going after Boye Maffe. I know that the beat writers are not high on edges at the end of the first round. They say you know, they need development and stuff like this. Boy Maffe has everything that he needs to be a great edge rusher. We talked about him or I did, on the pod a few weeks back when we were doing defensive line prospects. He was one of mine. I love the motor. He's got such a high-energy engine on him. Never takes plays off. Always going for the quarterback. And the thing I love the most is he goes for the ball. He's not just trying to make a sack. He's trying to force turnovers. And you can see it in the way he plays, the force fumbles, the anarchy he causes in a backfield because he's looking to do maximum damage. Some edges don't. He does. And I think the value you're going to get from there, yes, you have to develop him a bit. Consistency is an issue, which is why he's not the top of the first round of the draft. But if anything, our coaching staff can get that consistency there. The consistency to win against these tackles really cause some damage. So, boy, Maffei is the pick at 32 for me. And then I'll go straight on to pick 34, and then we'll talk about some other guys around this area because the picks are right next to one another. So, you know, you've gone edge, you've gone safety. Where are you going, pick 34, as we head into round two? At 34, I feel comfortable taking Christian Watson as he slides out the first round, the receiver from North Dakota State. We have DJ Chark, possibly on a 10 mil rental. So we're gonna, it could be in the market for a big-bodied, deep-ball ex-receiver. And this guy has good production. Let's say solid production every year. Limited Defenses he's gone up against, you can question the, the talent there. But athletically, he's a freak. He's got a ridiculously big frame and a nice big radius. He has got all the tools to succeed. Who knows if he will or not, but in the right scheme with the right mentor, he could be one of the best receivers in the NFL. And the second round pick, I feel it's a very calculated risk. Yeah, I mean, Christian Watson, again, another one of those draft darlings. You know, the uh, the guy who has come out of left field completely. We were talking about him round three, weren't we, uh, when the season ended. And now you feel comfortable taking him at 34. And I think that's a, a feeling shared everywhere. I mean, it, I, he could even go in the first if there's a run on receivers. But there's a lot to like about him. 
the big out, you know, the big bodied outside receiver that we need. You know, I think we've both made it abundantly clear that's that's the type of receiver we need this year. Just in case Chark doesn't work out or he leaves in 12 months, you've got to have a rookie to take over that position as and when, or to use them in dual threat together. So, fully agree with that one. So Ryan's gone wide receiver, first offensive pick there at 34. Me, I have gone in a completely different direction and. I may get some hate for this one, but this is a guy who, again, has risen through the ranks. Maybe it's not at the top of the needs list there, but I've absolutely fallen in love with this guy, and there's not a lot I can do about it. So after going safety and edge, I'm now going defensive tackle. I'm now going to one of the worst teams in college football in UConn, and I am taking Travis Jones, and I am putting him on a team where he's going to be working with some talent, and he's going to get the chance to shine how he should be able to. So Travis Jones, if you listen to the college podcast, you know about him because I've been on about him for a while now. If you're new to him, the defensive tackle from UConn. So he is sort of your nose tackle, one tech guy who plays in the middle, very similar to Aleem McNeil. And I love Aleem to bits. This is not me replacing him. This is me adding to that interior defensive line. Travis Jones excels at two-gapping and stuffing that pocket. He can marshal the two gaps that you need to to take down runners he takes up space he is hard to move and he clogs up that interior of the defensive line so well he's even got a little bit of pass rush about him if you're going to profile him actually i'd say he's very like aleem run first pass rush second aleem's got the better pass rush in arsenal out the two but if you put these two guys in the interior of our defensive line for obvious run plays if you rotate levi in and out for obvious passing plays You've got Penasini in there as well. All of a sudden, you have the makings of a very young, very high-ceiling run defense in the center, and we have needed that for a long, long time in Detroit. There's, there's, there's lots of problems with the defense. The run game is one of them, so I'm going to spend a pick high, and I'm really going to go at trying to fix that interior. So for me, pick 34, Travis Jones. UConn, the defensive tackle. So I've gone three defensive picks. Ryan's gone two, and then he's gone Christian Watson. I mean, outside of these guys, obviously we've drafted the ones there, but who else would you have your eyes on in the 32 to 34 category? I know there are a few who've been mentioned, but you know, if if you couldn't have the ones you did, who would you who would you sort of take in their place? Oh, definitely Lewis Seen. If I can't get Briscoe, I'd love Lewis Seen. I think he might even be better than Brisker. But I think, like, he was on one of those historic defences. I love everything that he does. It was really, it was a toss-up between them at 32. I really do like the kid. Yeah, agreed. I think, for me, if I've already got the safety, I, I guess if I've not got Hamilton early and there's others, I'd take Petra in these spots. I 100% would take Jalen Petra in there. I'd possibly go receiver as well. I see Traylon Burks falling down the ranks as well. If he's there at 32, I run and I don't stop until his name is there on on the docket. I would absolutely 100% take him there, but I'm definitely taking two defensive picks regardless for me. So, But there's a lot of talent to be had, and if we could maybe trade down, get another pick in this area, that would be so lovely because we can fix so many problems so quickly so that's our first three picks in our mocks just quickly diving into the chat before we go on um back to the chance stuff big aries goes the vikings ripped off iceland and called it theirs yes they did that is absolutely wrong absolutely love iceland and they should never be ripped off at all um 
Ash is also in there going Lloyd, Carl Aftis, JJ2, Burks, London, Wyatt. Yep, plethora of talent to be had in and around there. If Devon Lloyd slipped, then I would be trading up for him. I would be on it like a car bonnet. I would absolutely 100% go for that there. Uh, Big Aries asks, how about if the Lions trade down? Is there a player mid-round you'd like to see? Oh, I guess that's what Ash has been answering there. But I guess if, if say, for example, we did trade down to the middle of the first round, just off on a tangent, who... Just one word answer. Who would be the guy you go for if you're in the teens? That, that is difficult. So I'm taking <laughs> Devin Lloyd without a shadow of a doubt. If I'm in the teens, I'm taking Devin Lloyd. End of. Uh, I don't know. All there, Garrett Wilson. Maybe. Ooh. I'd say I'd, if we've got an extra... If the trade works well and I've still got another first rounder, like, I'd probably take one of the elite wide receivers. Ooh, interesting. Okay. So, yeah, Ryan would take a receiver. I would go Devin Lloyd. Hope that answers that one there for you, Big Aries. Thanks for the questions. Keep them coming. So, we've done picks 2, 32, and 34. Now we're at pick 66, round 3, and I'll go first. Here, this is the only one I'm unsure of whether the guy falls. And I, I have a sneaking suspicion you have exactly the same player here. Is it a linebacker? No, you said that. <laughs> no. Oh, wait, is it not? Alright, in that case, I'll go first. No. So, at 66, round three, I don't know if he falls. I'm taking Troy Anderson, the linebacker from Montana State. I've gone safety, I've gone edge, I've gone D-line. I'm now going linebacker. I'm really putting in defensive picks here. I just, you know, you've sold me on Troy Anderson. You did all the FCS stuff towards the end of last year. I started watching more tape because of it. I see everything he's done, the production on the field, the way he's upgraded to his competition in the off-season because he's worked with a lot better class of player than he has during his college career and he's not looked out his place whatsoever. This would be the place I'd be going heavy on linebacker. There's such depth here. I mean, if Damone Clark wasn't injured, he'd be in consideration for this as well. Brian Asamoah is here as well. There's some really good linebackers to be had, but I'm taking Troy Anderson, linebacker, number 66. For me, Ryan, I'm now intrigued because I thought Troy Anderson would be here for you. Who who you gone for with round three, pick 66? People might not like this, but I went to Trey McBride. I don't think he's going to be there anymore after his workout. But I know this is not a position of need, but for me, he if he would excel in a team that's got an established tight end one, and he is the most complete received tight end in the draft. Now, I'm not yet convinced on Trey Hawk. So if Hawkinson has a really good year, but McBride sells, you could trade Hawkinson a later date. I'd say, I know we don't get rid of prized assets, but he kind of opens the door there. I'd kind of love to see them both together. Anderson is my compensation pick, so they might as well stay with me after that anyway, because uh, I'm going to try Anderson next. But yeah, people won't like it, but try McBride. I know tight end is not a need, but he is excellent, and he does everything incredibly well. I think he could be a monster, but I don't think he's even going to be there now. Wow, I'm like the Trey McBride stan on this podcast and have been for a long time, and you're the one who's picked him. That is something I didn't see coming. I, I, I just have to wrestle with that issue of he is too high for a tight end, but I love him. I really do. Just he's such a mismatch. It's all this talk of giving. Yeah. All this talk of giving Hawkinson like 14, 15, 16 million dollars a year. It just. I want him to be really good so I can trade him. Yeah. I just don't really want to give him that. And I know we're going to have to. Mm. But I if, if I can replace him now, I would. See, Trey is a mean blocker and a good receiver. If you've got Trey and you know TJ 
as your tight ends, you've potentially got one of the best tight end duos in the league. And it's like, it's tempting, but where we're at, we don't need the best tight end receiving duo in the league or the best tight end tandem. It's it's so, it's so difficult. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't say no, though. In terms of pick 66, is who else would you be in consideration there for you? If it wasn't going to be... If it wasn't going to be Trey, who else would be on the market for you at 66? Uh, someone like Leo Chanel, if he falls. Like I said, I would stay with Backer. I, I do quite like him. And then there's his teammate as well. Uh, is it Sanborn? I think that the Wisconsin backers look pretty good. Yeah, there's some guys there as well. And then, uh, yeah, I've got safety, like I say, uh, I'd try and look for ideal linebacker or maybe, like I say, another edge. I think they'd be the positions. I'd probably go defensive. I'm probably going to stay double defensive in the third round. Yeah, I think, I think I'm locked on to linebacker for 66. I like the options that are there, and I would only be going elsewhere if somebody was to fall. I might look at receiver here. I love Jalen Tolbert. I love David Bell, but... The way they've been, um, sort of, yeah. the way they've been dismissed in the off season, I, I'm wondering if they slide to the comp pick. Do I take my chances and see if they fall and get even better value for them? That that's the sort of the issue I have there. But with with Troy Anderson, I would, uh, I would, I would give up 66 for him there. So yeah, we'll see. So just in case you've only just joined or whatever, just we're doing our mock drafts at the minute. Um, we're at pick 66. So I've gone Kyle Hamilton, Boye Maffei. Travis Jones and Troy Anderson. Ryan has gone Kayvon Thibodeau, Jaquan Brisker, Christian Watson, and then Trey McBride. So he's half defense, half offense. I'm full defense at this moment in time. So moving on to the comp pick. That's number 97 at the end of round three. Well, you've already told you guys, so let's hear it. Troy, yep, Troy Anderson. I, I am pinning my hopes on him sliding a little bit, but I absolutely love him. He is an athletic freak. He takes ridiculous angles. He is a brilliant open field tackler. He is super tough. And he's good in coverage as well. He has got really quick hips. They flip really well. He is fluid. He can cover a tight end and go in the slot really well. He was asked to do a lot of coverage and pick up tight ends and guys out the slot in Montana State. I think he can rise to that uh, the level of competition at the next level. I think he could be someone like... Uh, Oh, who's the guy from the uh, who, who the Bengals? Some like it could be like a Pete Werner. Yeah. Trying to see, it could be like I'm trying to think of comparison. They got that Bengals, the Bengals linebacker. Uh, is it Wilson? Uh, it could be someone uh, like him. Yeah. Oh, that was Browns. Um, Pete Werner slipped a Baron Brown in. You're thinking of, aren't you? I think you're thinking of Baron. Yeah, I think he could be in that kind of contention. Yeah, and I think he'll be offer great special teams upside as well. So. 97, Troy Anderson, but he might not make it that far. If he does a Baron Browning, then you 100% say, I don't understand how he dropped so low. I don't understand how Pete Werner dropped so low. Linebackers dropped quite low last year. and I mean, even Owusu Koromoa got down to about 50. I know we were kicking the door down for him when the Levi pick came in and we passed. I was good. It was it was not a great one for linebackers. That yeah, was. Pete Werner. I watched a few six. I watched a few Saints games last year and Pete Werner was actually really good. He was doing everything. He is going to be a signal caller. He's going to have the green dot next year. 
he'll be a future captain. Yeah, yeah. That that long term investment's gonna pay off with him. It's a crazy, crazy good value for him. So right, you've taken Troy Anderson there, you've waited a little later. Me, I've waited for somebody as well. I actually just mentioned him then, so I'm going with my first offensive pick. I'm going for Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver from South Alabama. We need a big guy on the outside who's got that big play capability there with him. He was one of my guys on the wide receiver podcast we did on the main pod not so long ago. He's 6'3", 190 pounds, got a good frame for what he does. Had 700-yard games for South Alabama this year. The competition isn't the greatest in the world, but you can only fight against what's in front of you. Like Christian Watson, it's the same issue there with him. I mean, he's got over seven yards after the catch per throw. That's a lot. This guy's big. He's able to get through contact. He really battles hard for that extra yardage. And to say his ability to make big plays is something that really stands out for me. And he was he was in the sort of round two discussion before. And just for whatever reason, his offseason, people have soured on him a little bit and pushed him down. So I'm going to take advantage of that. And I'm going to take him a little bit later on. I get my outside guy at a lot cheaper value than I could have done and you know I've got a new receiving threat going forward I can sit him for a little bit if I need to behind Chuck let him learn and I can develop him into this team and I believe Jalen Tolbert's going to be a really good wide receiver going forward so he's my pick with the comp there so big gap after this the uh, level in fact no before I do who else would you consider at pick 97 if you couldn't have Troy Anderson there Uh, you're getting later into the third, so like say you're looking at wide receivers there, aren't you? That's where Wondell Robinson probably starts to get talked about. Right, and then the likes of uh like say Dabs, Bell, oh Alec Pierce. I'd take Alec Pierce. I don't think he's gonna get anywhere near there, but the third rounder, he looks like a future star. He is gonna be a probably a day one starter whoever picks him. Well, that's actually quite a good segue, actually. I've just been looking through the Twitch chat. Um, Ash has put a few things in there. He's put Brandon Smith at 66. I know he really loves some Brandon Smith. Sam Bourne is projected in the mid-100s. That's true. Probably not worth 66. Might be a bit of a reach, but depends. If you think you can develop him right, you're going to get a really good player. Put him in the right system. He could be incredibly good. Also mentions Logan Wilson as well, which he's mentioned the Bengals linebacker. That's who I was thinking about, yeah. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it for that, Logan Wilson. Thanks, Ash, there. But you mentioned Alec Pierce there. Irish Incarnate has messaged again on Twitch, thanks to you for uh, joining us. Um, he says, do you like Jalen Tolbert more than Alec Pierce? Now, I, I think we might be split across the board here. I do. I like Jalen Tolbert more than Alec Pierce. No, no, I'm not putting a slur on Alec Pierce by any stretch of the imagination. I just think, for me, it's fit. And I think that I think that Talbot fits us better than Pierce does, but you know, feel free to feel free to retort to that one because I know you're probably going to say differently. No. No, no, I could get behind both of them. Who, who would you prefer? Who would you prefer? Who would you prefer? Talbot had a really good year, South Alabama. Who, who would you prefer out the two? I think I'd take Pierce because I think he's. I think Pierce is a bit faster, a bit lighter as well. Like say, I like the frame more, the athleticism. Yeah, I, I think you might get more big players from. Yeah, and you know, I can agree with that. Pierce is probably faster. I think the thing I like about Tolbert, a, a lot of his catches are contested, but he puts, and I mentioned this on the pod, he, he has a really great way of being able to keep himself out of harm's way whilst going up for these catches. He can protect the ball and protect himself. 
I just there's something that sticks out for me, so I think I could I could deal with a little bit of lack of pace over that, but you know I wouldn't say no to either. I don't think so. Yeah, Irish incarnate. I I take both, but for me, just Jalen Talbot has that a little bit more. But you know, it's it's incredibly incredibly close. But I think overall at the pick 97 area, wide receiver is where the value is to be had. It's not far off where Amon Amon Ra was got last year. I think we can find something similar again. Like say, if it's Daubs, Pierce, Tolbert, Bell, if he slips, some of these guys, I think will provide crazy, crazy value there. So yeah. Now there's a huge gap. So we've got a 70 pick gap from here. So we're talking about potential starters all the time here to maybe developmental guys going forward. So we go all the way back to the end of round five, pick 177. So I'll go first with this one. So I've already taken a safety. I mean, I've, I've been brainwashed by Ryan on this one, to be fair. And I want to say it's absolutely no bearing on this that we really want his dad on our podcast because he's absolutely amazing. But I'm going to double dip in safety. I'm going to take my developmental safety hybrid linebacker as well to come in and do some bits and develop him. We're talking Sterling Weatherford from Miami, Ohio. I mean, you know, you just need to listen to any of Ryan's talks about him this year. You know, this is a guy who was really, he's had a really good season. He's developing really well. He's got all the developmental traits you want for a really good safety there. And they say, you don't need to rush your time with him. He's going to he's gonna be great at the next level. Let's see. He's got the linebacker hybridity as well. Maybe he plays there. Maybe he plays safety. We need both. So you can sort of scheme fit him and put him in there and develop him as you wish. So I've gone Sterling Weatherford as a safety. I've gone defense again. I want some guys I can train there. I want two safeties. Whichever way I do a mock this year, there's probably going to be two safeties involved. So I've taken Sterling at 177. Who have you gone at 177? Yeah, that oh, was also yeah. my pick as well. So, yeah, we didn't. If anyone wonders, we didn't. We didn't even show each other who we had. But no, no. I've seen him getting mocked to Lions in the late fifth, early sixth round. Like I said, I fell in love with him probably two years ago now. Like I said, long-term captain for Miami High, the Red Hawks. He just envisaged everything: tackles, force fumbles, interceptions. Takes no plays off. Three, four-year starter. Like I said, he's Raz score was like a 9.1 for like a linebacker and like a 9.2 for a safety. He's this year's Divine Diablo who got on the field for Washington last year in those packages. And I think we can use him the same as there as well. So if you're watching Tim, like say, get on to Sterling. We want to hear from him. And we would love to see him as a Lion. I want both of them There's on the podcast. So the upside is incredible. The upside is incredible, I'd say. He ran a blazing 40 and he is like 235 pounds and six foot three. He's a behemoth as a safety, and he's, he had a great senior ball. He was picking up tight ends and thrusting at line of scrimmage. They were not getting away from him. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I've, I've been sold for a while now, but not as long as you, but say. So much upside, just so much to like about him, and I think he's going to make a good player at the next level when he's developed properly. So it's going to be great to see how he does, and hopefully we get him and we can get him and his dad on the pod with us. That will be great fun. Um, Ash goes 177 obviously he wants Jake Ferguson I'm not sure he falls that far or, or could you or could you see that I I, I, I like could it. yeah his pro day was his pro day he it was pretty bad like I say his bench was terrible as well for a blocking tight end he looked weak 
Yeah, he's terrible, Ash. Yeah, yeah, do that. Um, <laughs> I, I like him. I just he's not done himself any favors though, which could be yeah. good for us. Oh, he could. Yeah, if he drops, he drops. That's going to be absolutely great. So yeah, I'm looking forward to looking forward to seeing if he can or not. Um, oh, hello. Oh, we're back on. I think we just had a momentary. We just had a momentary blip. Hopefully, everyone's still with us. We just had a very momentary blip there, but hopefully, everyone's back online. Um, Ash goes afterwards. He goes. To be honest, Sterling is a great pick. Yes, he is. So thank you for agreeing with that. Um, he's um, said to split the pot again. Sterling or Reed? Now, that's not a fair question. Obviously, he's talking about. That's that's who I thought you'd take. That's he's yeah. I mean, Right, so for anyone who doesn't know, Reed Blankenship, the safety from Middle Tennessee, is my absolute draft crush, the safety. Sterling Weatherford has been Ryan's, but... I'm I having... think he could be an mistake, though. That's my thinking. I'm thinking... I mean, I'm doing it just for this particular one here because there's other guys I wanted later on. I think I can probably get him later in the draft, so Sterling would be the one that I'd be going after at this moment in time. So, um, yeah. Um, I'd still take Reed Blankenship... Ryan would probably still take Sterling, but this is just a matter of uh, positional value at this point in time. So you're not going to upset us with that one there. Um, oh, God, the stream has gone on. Hang on, how do I get the stream back on Twitch? Just let me know if it's come back up, guys. Ash is saying, where's the stream gone? Uh, David's also saying it's gone. Hopefully it's not gone on YouTube. Everyone is still with us there. Hopefully it manages to restart itself. Apologies for anyone on Twitch if there's been any issues there. The weather is a bit funny over here at this time, so it's been playing havoc with my signal. So, apologies. Um, right, so we'll go on to pick 181. Cause again, these are in the similar sort of area, so we'll talk about maybe other guys we want afterwards. So, we've both gone Sterling Weatherford, the safety at 177. 181, I've gone running back, because I think we do need a little bit more in the running back room. I think we're late enough to be able to take a pick on one now. We had this guy at the Senior Bowl. Of course, I'm talking about Devontae Price, the running back from Florida International. I really love this guy. I think he's a hard hitter, sort of your bell cow potential guy who's going to take in a lot of the, a lot of the heavy loads. Just sort of, just sort of share out the load a little bit. Because obviously DeAndre's not going to take a full load over the season. I don't think. I think injury stopped him from being a true bell cow. Now Jamal's going to be in there doing his work, but I'd like to see another guy in as well as Jamal Jefferson. I think we're going to have a lot of, um, I think we're going to have a you know a lot of versatility in that backfield. But Devontae's going to be one of the heavy hitters in there. Maybe we can use DeAndre in the slot a bit more. Maybe we can use Jamar in the slot a bit more mix it up a little bit so I'm happy at 181 to go running back Devontae Price from Florida International Ryan 181 where have you gone uh, it's impossible for me to know if he'll go this far but he has got a next gen grade of only 5.95 so average backup uh, offensive tackle I'm staying close to home Arizona State this is Kellen Dyche he's a six foot seven. 300 pound beer he moth, but he ran a 489. He has got massive upside because of his athleticism and his ability to block and then get to the next level. He is incredibly agile and fast for such a big man. Like I say, the downstairs, the hips, then the base needs to work on, but if it's a swing tackle or a backup guy that you could bring in heavy set packages or get him downfield and blocking, he's going to be really good. I think he might go. 
fourth, fifth, you never know, but if he slides because of his ability, he's got tiny arms as well. But I think there's a lot to like there for someone that we're going to be looking for offensive tackle depth later in the draft. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking similar to you. I think I've just gone a little bit later in my mind, but yeah, this is absolutely the time I'm looking for offensive line help now. I mean, if I wasn't gonna, if I wasn't able to get these guys here, I think the guy I would look towards, I, I don't know if it's maybe a tad too late, but I'd be looking at Chris Paul, the tackle from Tulsa. Put up a video of him today. I think I think this is his area. Certainly, the mocks I've done, Chris Paul is very high up on there for me as a as sort of an offensive tackle option. Again, just in this case, I, I kind of like the other guys I had round here, but he's one that I could quite get on board with taking. Is there anyone else around the 177, 181 mark you would take? Uh, would you go running back? Is he on the I don't know. There? So many guys like this. Uh, he fell. I saw some mocks in seeing McCormack to us the other day in the 6th, 7th round. Like I said, someone like that. But I'd prefer a bigger back. Like I said, does Abram Smith fall after his poor workout? Like I say, I would like a big guy. So, I'm not too sure. Like I say, but I, I'd, I'd take a back. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. So, yeah, 177, 181, that sort of territory. Offensive line. Running like back, Xander. Yeah. In there. yeah. Yeah, there's a few more there. But yeah, Kellen Dyche as well. He's done really well. But I think, I feel like his stock's gone up. I feel like he's had, he's, he's, he's had quite a good show in this off year. Do you reckon he's still there at this moment in time? Probably not now, not after the uh, not after his workout. He he actually looked really good. Alright, okay. Um just before we move on, just quickly get back into the chat again. Ah, everybody's back in Twitch. Now really sorry to all of you on Twitch who had to go through I think there was just a I don't, I don't know what went on on there. There was some sort of power surge on it or something, and it just went a bit funny. But everyone's back. Irish Incarnate's back on. Big Aries is back. David Reinfurt, 69, is back. Dan's in there as well. Ash is there. Um, Irish Incarnate goes, we don't need a running back in the draft this year. If Akuda isn't any good this year, then we flip him to running back next year. <laughs> I mean, I guess... Actually, we round six, a cornerback. Actually, a cornerback might be a good pick in round six. Yeah. Never know. Chase State guys got Jack Jones, Chase Lucas. They're going from six, seven to undrafted free agents. So yeah. there's, there's guys there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then Ash goes, if we were to take a running back, it would be Sincere Price or Hassan Haskins. Obviously, that's Sincere McCormack, the running back from Utsa Price, the one I mentioned from Florida International, or Hassan Haskins. No, not Haskins. For all the uh, the Michiganders no, out there, there's this Michigan bias all over the place. You know, you can't have everybody. They all want Struber, they all want Hill. I mean, they're good players in there. I forgot about Struber. In fact, round five, I'd take Andrew I Struber. did look at Struber. I was looking at the offensive tackle list. Yeah, round five, I would I was thinking about take him. Andrew Struber. So, you know, not entirely against the Michigan guys here. I think he's going to be a cracking guard at the next level. Just in the YouTube chat, Joey two times has joined us. He goes, what up, Doe? What up to you, sir? Thank you for joining us. As always... Chrome goes, did you guys hear about the DK trade Lions? We have not traded for him, have we? I've not missed something. I know Ash would have told us. I'm yeah. guessing they're on about Seattle offering, I mean, the Jets offering pick 10 for him. I mean, that's like, not even true. Apparently, he's not even available. Oh, is he not? I don't know. I don't believe. There's a lot of saying that he's not, they're not fielding calls, they're not listening. Yeah, apparently they have turned down or considered 10. 
It, that was their old pick anyway that they gave the Jets for Jamal Adams. That would be Apparently fun. they don't want it back. That would be fun, wouldn't it? You know, the Jets would just have wiped the floor with them if that was the uh, the case there. Just uh, Oh yeah, you get this pick and then you can give it us back and we'll give you DK Metcalf. But, I don't, I don't know. Plus, you if, you, if, you, if you trade for DK Metcalf, you've got to pay him. DK, DK Metcalf is going to want huge money. But I don't get why the Seattle Seahawks want to keep him. They've given Russell away. Or not given, but they've traded him away. So... Your receiver, who you're about to pay well over a hundred million dollars to next year, why are you hanging on to him? You ain't gonna give him a quarterback this year. I, I don't get it. I don't get it. The Jets should take Tyler. Jets should take Tyler Lockett. Mm. He'd be half the price, and he's just as good. Yeah, I th- I, I'm guessing Joey means there's been a rumor that we've tried to go for him. He goes, I think it's nonsense. Well, I, Holmes I'd hate that. Holmes doesn't seem like the type. Why of guy would he come trade. here? Yeah, to trade multiple early picks for wide receiver. I agree. Brad Holmes has been very prudent so far with his contracts, with the way he's done stuff. There's only the Trinity Benson knot you can kind of put on him at the minute for stuff like this. I don't think he's going to do anything anything silly like that. So, you know, we would have to give up a first, and I just don't think it's worth it at this moment in time. So, you know, we'll see in terms of them there. Um, Ash goes, it's not Michigan bias for me. It's the fact that he used to play linebacker so he can contribute on special teams. Sorry, Ash, that's kind of a running joke I have with Luke. Some of the guys on there with him, are they like every single Michigan prospect going, so we just have a laugh that it's Michigan to bias there. Hassan Haskins is a very good running back in his own right and, you know, should not be sniffed at if we're looking at him in the later rounds. Plenty he could do here. Apparently Seattle want more than one first. They want a first and a third or something like that, says Joey. Well, okay, that takes us out of consideration for him. Absolutely not taking him. Not at that price. You know, Devante Adams went for that, and you know, I just don't think we're in the uh, in the mood for that one. I, I don't see it happening. So right, we'll finish off these mock drafts anyhow. So we're into the late round sixes. So 217 is the pick next in round six. We're getting into developmental territory seriously. So I'll go first with this one. No wait, I went first last time. You go first. Who have you picked at 217? No, we're getting into the territory now where you don't know if anyone's going to be there or not. But a guy I like with big upside is Zach Van Valkenburg. I've gone with the defensive lineman from the University of Iowa. Six foot four, so he's not the biggest, but he is a run stuffer. He has got a relentless motor and engine that keeps on going, whether it's trying to get after the quarterback and generating pressure. He's just come off a five, five and a half sack year. He's not got too much production. He's not the huge tackler. He's not a big sack guy for Swamble, but he does generate lots of pressure and he's really good against the run. He is formidable inside and he does not give up too much, which for me is probably what I want in later rounds. But he does have the potential to improve his pass rush arsenal. And I really like what I saw from him Bayer this year. So I think he will slide because of lack of production and lack of numbers, but I'm certainly going to give him a go there because he could be the one that replaces... Brockers and goes next to Lee McNeil. He's you're gonna get that day one. He improves you against the run, and that's what we need. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm in agreement. I love Zach Van Valkenburg. I, you know, that Iowa defense, for all the bad that the offense did this year, their defense was still really good, and he was an integral part of it on there. So, you know, I could I could get behind getting him that late in the draft if he's there, like you say. You never know if someone's going to take a shine to him, but potentially this is where, again, the value is to be had there later on if some of these guys slip. So, yeah, I can get on board with Van Valkenburg for sure. So for me personally, number 217, 
I said I need offensive line help, I need depth, I need a tackle, I'm going for a swing tackle, and the phrase, I'm going to double dip from UConn in next year's draft, I thought I was never, ever, ever going to say that in a million years, in a month of Sundays, they're one of the worst teams in the FBS, no way they could produce two players in this draft who that we would consider drafting, well, you would be wrong. So I've had Travis Jones earlier. I think he's a great defensive tackle. I'm moving to the other side of the trenches now for the offensive tackle, Ryan Van Der Mark. I mentioned this guy when we did their pro day a few weeks back. I took a lot of interest in him then because he had a really good pro day. I went back and looked through the tape because UConn have been awful, but like Travis Jones, if you sift through the tape, you see a lot of the good that's in there with them. And for me... Ryan van der Mark has a lot of upside to be had this late in the draft, and I think he's going to be there. He is six foot seven. He is three hundred and two pounds. This guy is huge, but he moves really well. He ran a straight five seconds in his forty. You know, so the guy has speed. It's not elite speed there, but you don't you don't need this in the seventh round of the draft. He's been the blindside protector there now at UConn for four years. He's a four-year starter. He spent the last three years at left tackle, but he plays both positions. He has got all the attributes needed to be a perfect swing tackle for us at the next level. We need a guy who's going to transfer between both, because quite frankly, I don't want Matt Nelson in there really doing it. I want Matt Nelson as their extra sixth man you bring in on the line and you do the jumbo packages with. That's where he excels, and that's where you can use Ryan van der Mark as well. He is a big guy who is going to create some mauling open spaces for running backs to be able to go and have a field day when it comes to some of their production. So, you know, I, I really like the look of Ryan van der Mark here. Like I say, we're taking swings on development guys, but I think this is the perfect value you're going to get there. And you've got a guy who you're going to develop who's going to provide really good depth for you. You've got Tommy Kramer at guard. You've got Evan Brown at centre. Just need to sort that tackle situation out. And if I've not gone for Chris Paul earlier... This is 100% the guy there for me. Um, right, so in the chat, Super Saiyan Lions says Skylar Thompson. He would have at this point of the draft. I mean, we did the quarterbacks yesterday. We uh, we went through him a bit. I think, you know, I think we both like Skylar. Um, he's had his injuries. We like him, but I don't. Neither of us like him enough to draft him. But you know, there, there could potentially be a player in there, couldn't there? Possibly, yeah. Like say he's. He's got the frame. He's got a good, quick release. He's he's very durable in sort of a dual threat kind of way, even if he's not the fastest in a straight line. So the mechanics are all there. He's just been really held back. He's just, and like I say, he's just really far behind in development because he's nearly 25, which really, really hurts him. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it's a shame what happened with him. He would be a bit higher now if he'd had the full season no injuries, and he, he could sort of had the full college resume there, but Skyler is one to watch. I think if you're going to get him, though, it's going to be undrafted, potentially. I don't know if you're going to get it with the picks in there. So, Joey's in the chat. He goes, for all we know, Holmes may not even consider adding any more wide receivers, maybe not even on day three. It's a possibility. I would like, and I know Ryan would, another big guy on the outside with DJ Chark. You're protecting against your future then. I would like one at least, but not two. Don't need to be two, but at least just one. But there's a possibility there that they, 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 they might not. So, you know, I'm not sure. 
Um, Justin Gassaway has joined us in the chat on YouTube. He goes, do you think we'll start Anzalone this year or draft someone in his place? Now, obviously, Riz, the, Riz the other day said no linebackers. I don't buy it for one second, but do you think he's a starter next year? I think I think he is, isn't he? I think he'll have to be, yeah. And, and this, is a, this is the reason why I don't buy the linebacker chat that we're not going to get one, because we've got Anzalone, who is... You know, he's a placemat for the journeyman position. He's a good player, but he's like the vet in there. He's going to be a placeholder for someone else in the future. And then around him, you've got Barnes, who is a developing rookie. And then what have you got? You've got Sean Dion Hamilton, special teamer. Anthony Pittman, special teamer. Jared Davis, special teamer, potentially. Um, Chris Board, special teamer. They're linebackers, but they're more special teamers than linebackers, and there's no guaranteed quality there. You you, you, you're relying on them developing stupendously quick and that's not a wise thing to do so I, I think you need the depth in there you need another bona fide talent so I don't buy it at all but I think Anzalone starts for sure um, Chrome says I'm sure Holmes got an under the radar wide receiver in the later rounds well they scouted Tyquan Thornton you never know there are guys in there who they're doing that with um, Joe Two Times says trading for DK would be a mistake Chrome agrees yep absolutely uh, he also reckons that Anzalone and Barnes will start unless they take a linebacker at 32. Probably agreed. They probably start at this rate as long as Barnes earns his uh, Barnes earns his stripes there. They all need to earn their spots, and hopefully he does. I'd feel a lot better if he does start and he's playing well. So we'll see what goes on with him. Right, let's finish these mock drafts off, and then we can deal with all these questions, comments, and that. So we've got to the end. Round seven, pick 234. Who are you ending the draft with? This is a throwaway pick for me. You like say I've I've done my business. I am going with the 2020 Walter Payton Award, which is the offensive player of the FCS National Year. I'm going with quarterback Cole Kelly from the Southeastern Louisiana Lions. The six foot seven behemoth who uh, is coming off a five thousand yard year and forty four touchdowns. He is a mammoth signal caller with a huge arm that had three fantastic years. Like I say, he's got 8,000 yards, like 70 touchdowns. I don't know if he's worth a draft pick or if he'll go undrafted, but I'm willing to take a risk on it because I'm not, I'm not banking on Blau, Montez and Boyle all being on the roster at the opening day. Like I say, because we can get rid of those guys and save like a million each, like I say. I, I want to bring some competition in. If, if he goes undrafted, great, but he is a really under-the-radar quarterback and he's had really good play out in the last few years. Could be a total mistake. You know, this is no, like, like we said, me and Ryan have not got together beforehand and done these mock drafts ourselves. We've landed on the exact same player once. I mean, we've not landed on the exact same player this time, but we've both gone quarterback with our last pick. He's gone with Cole Kelly, and for what he's worth, I really like Cole Kelly. He got the MVP in the, was it the Shrine Bowl? The East-West Shrine Bowl, I think he was MVP yeah. of. And he actually faced off against the quarterback I want to draft in that one. Oh, hang on, did he? No, he didn't. He fought off against someone else. But anyhow, I've gone quarterback for my last pick. I said this on the main podcast yesterday. I don't want, like, 
a big quarterback this year to challenge Goff. I just want a development guy who's going to come in and, as Ryan says, challenge Blau and Boyle because I'm sick of seeing the pair of them on our sidelines. I want someone who's going to come in and maybe give them a run for their money. The quarterback I've gone for is Akeel Glass, Alabama A&M. I've mentioned him an awful lot now. You know, when we talked about the HBCU scene, we've done the Legacy Bowl, the Combine. I've talked about Akeel Glass all the way through. I just think that he's really going to settle in at the next level. And if developed right, he's going to do well. He's 6'4", 230 pounds. Got the frame to be able to do this. The accuracy is an issue with his lower body mechanics. This is fixable. That is the big issue with him. If you fix that, everything else is there. The touch on the ball, the elite throws into coverage. You know, his pocket awareness is amazing. He knows when the pocket's collapsing. He protects the ball very well. The turnover rates are very low. So he's got all that in-pocket ability. And he's got the range of throws just needs to get those mechanics sorted a little so but I'm taking a chance on that because even if we need to go quarterback again next year at least I've had a try this year and I'm developing a backup plan and if anything I'm going to develop a good backup for over the years because as we saw last year and as we've seen under Blau and Driscoll and oh god uh, the other one who was Chase Daniel I'm, I'm sick of seeing these guys come in and not be good backups and pay them millions for the pleasure so I'm swinging at a development quarterback I don't you know, if people disagree, then that's absolutely fine. So, Akeel Glass, I've mentioned him so many times, and, you know, we'll go for that. There's, there's quite a few HBCU guys I developed this year. There's the safety, Marquise Bell, probably round four guy. Keenan Forbes, Akeel Glass. There's a lot of love to be found around there, a lot of talent to be had. So, yeah, I agree with you. I think we need a quarterback. So there are mock drafts. I mean, we'll go through them again now, just in case anyone's not been listening for the whole thing, and you can let us know what you think of them, whether they're very good, whether they're very bad, whether whether you're not fussed at all. <laughs> you, people have heard that many mock drafts now, but do you just want to re-go through all your guys who you've picked in your mock draft best? Based on everything we've seen this year, the value in the place, we've not done trades, we've just done the nine picks. Who have you gone for altogether, Rai? Yep, I've got Kayvon Thibodeau, I've got Jaquan Brisker, I've got Christian Watson, I've got Trey McBride. I've then got uh, Trey Anderson, Sterling Weatherford, Kellen Deichdisch, uh, Zach Van Valkenburg, and then the quarterback Cole Kelly. And for me, I've gone Kyle Hamilton, the safety Notre Dame at two, Boy Maffey, the edge Minnesota at 32, Travis Jones, the defensive lineman from UConn at 34, absolutely love him to death, Troy Anderson, I agree with Ryan, but I took him a little earlier at 66, Jalen Tolbert, the wide receiver at 97, Sterling Weatherford agreed entirely with Ryan, 177, the safety, Devontae Price, the Florida international running back at 181, Ryan Van Der Mark, the UConn offensive tackle at 217, and Akeel Glass, the quarterback from Alabama A&M, with my last pick. So there we have it. Those are our mock drafts for the Lions as of now. That may change, but I'd be quite happy if this was my nine altogether. And I'm, you know, I bet you would be with yours as well. So for everyone who's in the comments at the minute, YouTube, Twitch, um, if you've got any more questions for us this evening, get them in there. If you've got any other players you want us to mention in the area of some of these picks let them know because that is really just about everything that we had planned for this week in terms of all the mocks and everything so let me just have a little look Ash says I like them both not too dissimilar from what I do in the Twitch chat I 
guessing he's going back to safety again. Um, yeah, at this point, Reed can probably be a sixth or seventh round pick. So yeah, don't sleep on Reed Blankenship. Great safety late on. Him and Sterling Weatherford provide two in very enticing developmental safety options. Are there any special mentions you want to give to players that you haven't already that you would draft at any point there? Like I said, Marquise Bell is one I'd love to. The safety from Alabama. No, is it not Alabama A&M? Is it Florida A&M? Florida A&M. Florida A&M. Yeah, I do like him. Yeah. If we're going to... If we're going to go for a development guy like Jelani Woods, the tight end from Virginia, like say he looks like an incredible athlete. If you can teach him to play football and actually play a tight end footballer and put that big, big gangly body to use and the speed, like could really have something there. If you could refine his technique football wise, because the the speed and the size is all ridiculously there. Mm, it just depends how. It just depends whether someone's really fallen in love with the off-season stuff and just goes way too high for him. I can see that happening. I can see someone really stretching for him. So if if he falls, I agree. The value the value might be there. It might not be. So tight end. Chigozi Maconku, the the Maryland one. Nick Cross, the safety from there. There are two more that I'd love to for us to draft respectively. Nick Cross in the third. I'd go Chigozi and maybe in the fifth if they're there, but. Maryland did come up with a couple of corkers this year under the radar. Um, do you have a question? Justin Gassaway says, do you prefer Kayvon Thibodeau over Aidan Hutchinson? Um, yeah, which one do you prefer? No. Who do you believe is better? Better maybe Kayvon, but if you want consistency... I think you'd probably take Aiden, and I'd probably prefer the lower ceiling but higher floor of Aiden. I would be inclined to agree. I think, yeah, I would. I think, I think Aiden is better. Like you say, the consistency. You know, yeah, I would agree. I think maybe there is a little bit of consistency difference, but overall, Aiden over over Thibodeau. But again, like you, I'm maybe warming to the fact they might take Thibodeau. So. As long as whoever it is is a damn good edge rusher and starts getting some sacks and some strip sacks or something for us, I really don't care. I'm just going to hope that uh, hope that they come through. Ash in the Twitch chat goes, late round, defensive tackle flyer. Do, do you want to guess at this one? Did, there's only three players from Florida State who are draft eligible this year. Do you want to guess who this one is? Kia Thomas. Who's he? Exactly. There we go. <laughs> yeah, come on, Ash. You're going to give us Florida State ammunition. We're going to use it against you. Uh, Chrome goes, couldn't go wrong with either or. Um, Ken does ask us a good question. He goes, who has moved up the draft more than Christian Watson? I mean, Troy Anderson. Troy Anderson's moved up a lot. Travis Jones has moved up a lot. Um, my pick at 34. There's, there's no way I would have said he was a pick at 34 before this. Travis Jones has really jumped up the board. Um, who do you reckon? Who, who strikes out to you who's really jumped? I mean, Watson's jumped miles. Yeah. That's a good question, actually. The biggest jump. I mean, I guess you could even say someone like Trayvon Walker's jumped. Really, I mean, in 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 terms yeah. of value, he's now getting locked at two, yeah. In terms of value, I know he's only probably moved up about 
25, 30 picks, but it's the cumulative value in the draft. It's a huge leap by round one standards. So Trayvon Walker could be there. I mean, I guess Jordan Davis you put in there as well, although he seems to have slipped off the face of the earth again. I don't, I don't know what's happening with his draft stock now. He's got. I could say from from the end of the season now, I feel like uh, I feel like Ridder. I feel like Ridder's actually going to go really high. Mm. Even with the poor workout, I feel like you had a good end to the year. Him and Kenny Pickett. I feel like they're. I feel like they're going to both be gone by like 16, 17, which I would not have said like six months ago. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, Ken says Chad Moomer. I would agree there. I think Chad Moomer's risen oh, yeah. quite. I mean, in fairness, some of the linebacking core have risen quite. Chanel. Chanel. I know Ash don't like Chanel, but he could sneak into that, that very end of the first, early second. He's going to be there now. Leo Chanel's risen a lot. I mean,. Are we saying Watson's the biggest riser? Or, or do you reckon there is a claim to someone who's risen more? I mean, I guess no, cumulative... You, I could, you, could make, you could say Watson's jumped only two and a half, one and a half, two rounds. If he goes to like Kansas City or Green Bay, he's jumped two rounds to the end of the first. Yeah, no, I absolutely can get on board with that. But yeah, a lot of players who've had really good drafts. So, you know, in Christian Watson's case, I think he's earned it just some of these smaller school guys get to perform on bigger stages. It's like even Travis Jones. He's just being able to operate amongst better players and stand out more. And his stock's well, gone... Boy Mafé. Boy Mafé, yeah. Boy Mafé's shot. Boy Mafé's gone really high. I didn't even know who it was before. I'd heard... After the season, I had no idea who that was. Luke G was massive on him. So I, I'd heard of him through Luke G there. Um, Justin asks, he goes, is that a Hanson jersey? I'm just noticing you're repping the goat. Is that a, is that a Hanson jersey? Yep. 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 There you go. Quite hard to find. He's wrapping the Hanson jersey. He's got Hanson. I've still got Stafford. I need a new one. I want an Aleem McNeil one now. I really badly want an Aleem McNeil one. But I mean, who, who would you get next? I never buy was? current players. I know. I don't buy current players. <laughs> I'd get a Glover one if it was a past player. Then I'd love Glover Quinn's jersey. Um, I did have another question knocking around. Past there, player. So, yeah. Oh, Ash goes really madly. You liked his pro day results about Kid Thomas. Yes, Ash, I did. But, you know, later on in the draft. So, hey-ho. It was David Rhyme for 69. Who are you most afraid that another NFC North rival will realistically draft? That is a really good question. So, who are you scared that... I mean, let's do one for each team, let's say. We're here. We may as well. So, I mean, the Packers, I'd be terrified... Trail on Burks. Pack yeah. I'd be terrified the Packers took Traylon Burks. I do not want to come up against him. Next don't year. want to replace Devontae Adams. No, and especially with the, you know, none of our corners are like the biggest, stockiest guys in the world. That's a mismatch waiting to happen. I really don't want Traylon Burks to fall to the Packers. I think I'm in agreement with you there. The Bears, they don't pick till 39, but... The Bears need receivers and offensive line. I really don't want them to get a good offensive lineman. So I think I'd be scared that Zion Johnson would fall or Kenyon Green. I don't want one of them top-notch guards to fall to them because I want that offensive line to be trash and I want Justin Fields to be, you know, fodder for the edge rushers next year. I don't know about you. Who would you hate for the Bears? I don't know. A running back? I'd hate for them to take someone like Brees Hall. I feel like he really comes in a play there because I don't rate Jordan Howard that highly. I think they could upgrade at running back, and that worries me. Hmm. 
Okay, and then the Vikings pick at 12. I've already mocked him twice. For him, and I'm I'm terrified they take Devin Lloyd. I do not want Devin Lloyd with the Vikings. I'm fed up of coming against good Minnesota Vikings linebackers. And I really, really want Devin Lloyd. I do not want him to fall to the Vikings. Um, who few for You've Jeff Gladney, Mackenzie Alexander, Mike Hughes. Three crap corners that got arrested or crap. I do not want them to get someone like... Oh, who could be a really good cornerback? I feel like... Uh, well, you be past mean, source. You'd get Kerry care, Lam. Yeah, yeah Kalima. Yeah. Andrew Booth. Andrew I'd, Booth. Hate them, I'd hate for them to get Booth. Or if they traded up and got someone like... I don't know. How, could they go high enough for Sauce or Stingley? If Stingley slides... I've got my two mocks here. I think have I mocked to... Yeah, I've mocked Stingley both times. Hopefully, his pro day may be taken That scares me. Yeah. yeah. So I think if Stingley or Lloyd went to the Vikings, I'd hate that. Burks goes to the Packers, hate that. One of the two top guards drops to the Bears, hate that. Thanks for that question, David. That actually got me thinking quite a lot there. Got us both thinking quite a lot. Um... Do, do, do. Ash says Jordan Howard is an eagle. Hmm. Montgomery is the Bears. Who, who back. did the Bears? Dave Montgomery, yeah. But they have got back. They've not got much backup. It's Tariq Cohen, wasn't it? And they've let him go. So yeah, they've got two basically dwarfs. Yeah, I wouldn't want them to add to that running back room, but I think the offensive line and wide receivers is what they need. I'd, I, in fact, I'd hate for Watson to go to the Bears as well. That would upset me. I don't want Watson or Burks in the NFC North against us next year. Period. Period. Absolutely. Um, doo -doo -doo. Uh, Justin asks, what do you think we should ask for if someone wants our two? Mm, I guess it depends who you want, but I mean, I guess, what would you be your favourite trade? I kind of like the Saints. If you gave me 16 and 16 and 19, or 16 and like 49 and like a fourth rounder, yeah, 16, a second rounder, and a fourth rounder, or 16 and 19. Maybe a bit unrealistic, but I'd be very happy with either of those trades. Yeah, I, I, I mean, yeah, I'm not sure. I'd like to trade maybe with, like, the Giants or somebody. I, I, I want one of the Giants picks at least, and some good comp to go with it this year, because I, I really want Kyle Hamilton, and you can justify him a lot more at five than you can at two. So that would be the big thing. And if I can get some picks later on in the draft, I'd absolutely take that. So that would be what I'd be asking for ours there. <laughs> Justin goes, the one win against the Vikings every year is always a great day. I love beating the Vikings. I hate losing to the Bears more than anybody, though. So absolutely don't want to do that. Right, so if there's any other questions, anything else you want us to discuss before we go, just let us know because we're getting towards the end now. I'll just go through our next episodes and our socials and we'll finish off with any more questions, any more comments that you have. As always, thank you for joining us. We really, really do appreciate this. So in terms of our next shows here on Roar of the Lions UK, you will find us... Oh, God, where are we? On Monday. So that's next Monday, the 11th of April... We are doing our full first round mock drafts because it is that time of year. We're all going to be on there with our mocks. We're going to be doing it in snake order, going through our picks, 
maybe some trades in there who knows come join us for that come join us with your mocks as well that's going to be ever so much fun there we look forward to that and then myself and ryan we will be back next wednesday the 13th i don't you know to be honest i don't know what we're going to do on next week's pod yet i would assume we're going to have sort of a, a question and answer session we'll come in and just talk draft and we'll find something to do with it there so we'll probably do that and then after that we may have a little bit of a break while we just do all the draft stuff on the main podcast so um yeah but you can find us next wednesday we'll be here and on the main podcast you can uh, get us there on monday super saiyan lion says if lions can get the fifth pick and next year's first for two that would be awesome yeah i'd probably agree with that and the giants yeah. still might not be that good next year so it might be a good first as well it usually is a good first with the giants you could at least say top 15 if you're going to get a future pick get one off the panthers or maybe the seahawks if they don't take a quarterback someone who's going to be Someone who's going to be bad next year. Let me just go through Twitch, see if there's anything else in there. Um, Dan says, cheers, guys. Thank you, Dan. Ash says, see you in a bit. Yep, see you in a bit, Ash. Thank you for coming along, as always. Oh, I forgot to roast Ash's draft. In fact, you know what? We'll do that next time when he's back with us. We'll do that on the main podcast on Monday. I'll put an asterisk with it, Ash, and we'll discuss it when we're on then. But, yeah, to everyone who's joined us on YouTube, to everyone who's joined us, on Twitch, we thank you ever so much. You know, we love having you on. We love to chat and draft and college with you every Wednesday. We had a lovely message from someone on Twitter today, actually, who uh, said they'd really enjoyed the stuff we've been doing with the draft, and that meant ever so much to us. So, um, thank you very much as always. Super Soundline says, "Great show, guys." Yep, thank you, and thank you to everyone who's come in with us. I'll just go through our socials before we get off. Unless, is there anything else you want to? plug anything else before we get off the air today right no it feels like it feels like we've almost finished like i said the draft is almost here we've almost done everything we can it does doesn't we've it? made our cases now we have and hopefully uh people enjoy that we'll put our mock drafts up on twitter so you can go on there and either like it or roast it just as much as uh, just as much as you want really but it's all good fun to be honest at the end of the day we're all going to get to the draft we're all going to support whoever the lions draft and it's going to be good fun we're going to have a good team next year and uh, i just can't wait for lions football to come back again so yeah that is it is so yeah as i say you can find us all over the internet on our socials so you can find us at roar of the lines uk on youtube obviously if you're already here you already know twitch you can find us at rotl underscore uk obviously you know if you can get on there send us a subscription anything we will really appreciate it if you've got amazon prime you get a free one you can send it our way bring the money from amazon over to us a bit obviously don't pay anything across yourselves we're not worth that just yet at this moment in time but we appreciate all of you who are signing up with us on there we're getting a lot more people on twitch now so thanks ever so much for that on facebook you can find us at our page roar of the lions uk and on our group detroit lions fans uk one pride worldwide on twitter you can find us at rotl underscore uk come and talk draft anytime you like i'm on there most of the time instagram you find us at rotl underscore uk and on the website you find us at www.roarofthelionsuk.com got lots of good articles about to drop the draft there now ash and john our writers are coming up with bits me and ryan are writing some bits as well with some of our draft bits so keep an eye out for that they're always always good stuff to look out for and also keep an eye out later in the week we uh we did a little interview with deadline detroit earlier this week on monday the guys on there were very nice they uh, they did a little interview with us that's going to drop soon so you get to know a little bit more about us and uh, see us have a good chat with the guys over there so keep an eye out for that one but 
until next time, as we said, we can't thank you guys enough for coming on to join us. We absolutely love doing this. The show is just growing week by week, and we appreciate each and every single one of you who come in here and join us. Have a wonderful day. Enjoy your weekend as and when that comes, and we shall see you again on Monday. So until next time, it just remains to me to thank Ryan, as always. And until next time, one pride. One pride.